Hello. This is episode 27 of the podcast called Blood and Rain. I'm your host, Arthur Dane. And our guest today is the most beloved wild man of the solar sphere. If you're uh, if you're kind of one of these solar sphere solar sphere casuals, then you're not going to know who I'm talking about. But if you do know who I'm talking about, it's the legendary KJ says words. KJ, the guy with chickens and guns, the guy who's trying to convince me to change the name of the podcast to Guns and Rain, which you know that's the jury's out on that one. I might I might just do that. Um, but I would imagine you can expect two plus three plus hours of uh, of various in and out wild stories and I'm very much looking forward to it because I just got off a far ship from hell. So KJ, thank you for being on the show, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate being here. Thank you for having me. This is uh this has been a long time coming. Long time coming. I'm excited. I am excited. It has actually, yeah. You and I you and I have rubbed shoulders on Instagram every now and again. We get thrust in a random well not so random, but uh various Group chats of testosterone, thumos, guns, sack tanning, and masculinity. Like, just yeah, any trope you can think of, that was that was said in the group chats. Highly curated, man. Highly curated. Still, still very precise, very surgical. Yeah. <laughs> so, for, for the listeners who are maybe casuals and just getting in Solar Sphere, I think it's a good place to start the full nine yards of KJ. I want to hear the whole, the whole damn story from from Cascadian birth to the man with guns and chickens, the homesteader of Idaho. Just feeding them the whole belt, are we? All right. Uh, yeah, so whole thing. I, I, was, uh, I was born in 88 in Tacoma. I was born on what is known as Gang Hill. So anybody from the Pacific Northwest, um, if you were, you know, alive and cognizant then, um, it was called Gang Hill because there was riots like there are right now in major cities, um, just all the time. And so after my mom had me, they had to escort her out, like the National Guard, I mean, full kit, everything, because she had just had a baby. So that's how I started my life. Hell <laughs> No, we, uh, I come from a, a really, really small town, um, families, uh, on both sides. Um, the, the hospital there is just where my dad happened to be working at the time. Um, they're both sides of my family from Southwest Washington coast. Um, and I think it's something like a 12 or 13 something hundred square mile area. And the whole population of that whole size of area is like something like 4,000 people. Like, it's not very many people. Uh, and there's, there's a couple towns scattered in and out um, that no one's ever heard of, aside from maybe Long Beach, because it's the longest beach in the world. And that's, that's where I grew up for a long time. Um, half my family, and this is painting a broad brush, half my family is fishermen or they own canneries for the fishermen. And the other half of my family is loggers, because that's really the only big industries there, aside from tourism, which you obviously can't rely on. Um, you know, people aren't coming to the beach after August. You got, you know, after August, if you haven't made your nut, you ain't gonna. So I uh, grew up there, 
and all over Washington. Uh, my dad moved around a lot for work. Um, all in trailer parks or Airstream travel trailers. Um, and then finally, I, don't know, I was four, five, six, something like that. Uh, my mom got remarried and then uh, moved us over to Idaho where I am now still. Uh, but I always bounced back and forth because the only people here was my mom, my stepdad, and my sister, or half sister. Um, so I was always back to Washington or back to the Northwest Oregon coast uh, where some of my other family lives for my whole life. Uh, I started flying alone when I was four years old. I remember on Southwest Airlines, I made best friends with the, the little the little baggage guy right at the counter, you know, that checks you in. You always, you always see the little kids go up to someone like, hey, you know, get, get on the plane, go ahead. I made best friends with that guy because I think it was like 11 years straight. He was there and he'd be like, oh, hey, KJ, what's up? And I'd be like, hey, and I'm four years old, you know, walking in the airport by myself. You know, this is pre 9-11, right? I'm just dragging around my little bag. No one's trying to kidnap me. I mean, other than people smoking cigarettes and you'd think it was the 70s, it was great. It was a good time, so, yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was my early childhood. Um, just moved around a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, played sports like a normal kid would. Uh, I only went to school here in Idaho, so I, I identify as an Idahoan um, just because I never... I experienced Washington and Oregon enough through my family and through all my, you know, time I spent there. But, um, you know, it's not like I did a, you know, regular kids school week or, you know, regular work week up until I was an adult. And then uh, I think I moved back. I moved back to the Portland metro area or Vancouver area. I think like three times now in my adult life, like hoping it would get better. And it never does. It's always shit every time. And it just gets worse. <laughs> It seems to me like Seattle has like gems. It seems like Portland just gets literally more and more of a Portlandian stereotype where anything Portlandia can stereotype is just gone because it's just it's like the it's like the uh, it's like the onion. The onion can't really do any work anymore because the world's absolutely yeah. it's absolutely yeah, no, the world is outriding any satire that you could possibly come up with because it's so outlandish and beyond your imagination that when you read something and like I, you know, I know you do this, I do this, you know, the men listen to this too. Like you read it and you're like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And you're like, oh no, wait, it's, it's 2021. Yep, we're good. That's that's where we're at. That's, yeah, that's, yep, that's, that's real. That's the, that's the, this bizarre realm of normalcy, this expanse that's engulfing us. For, I, I think it's coming to an end soon. I've been talking about this with a lot of guys, but for now it's like, I remember I was walking my best friend to 7-Eleven that we live nearby. And he just checks his phone and he's just like, Oh, okay, Kanye declared himself the new Jesus, of course. I mean, that's kind of a minor thing now. Like, this is this is really just another day. I'm like, like yep. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Kanye's the new Jesus. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for 2021. Um, it's, it's got, like, but that's what they want, right? They, they want the attack from all fronts. Right? You can't oh, yeah. just do it one way. You can't just be like, we're only... We're only going to have the media and all these narratives and everything else just just to go after religion. No, it has to be religion and masculinity and the nuclear family and your entertainment and what you can and can't. It has, it's all, the, can all it, these variations. Can can yeah. yeah. Otherwise, their attack won't work because then it won't be, you know, these soft trigger events. If they go after one thing at one time, that'll be a hard trigger event and they'll we'll just wipe the fucking floor with it. Absolutely. But, and there's there's still masses kicked. 
Like, even though they're trying to do a full-court press, they're still getting their asses kicked at the end of the day. The media might say oh, that yeah. they're, like, these no, the, uh, but no. The, the pendulum swings, unfortunately, for everyone involved. The pendulum swings hard. Big time. Big time. Yeah, the Overton window in review oh yeah like imagine hell let's just call it two decades from now if books are still a thing you know gotta gotta temper that because you know they're just gonna burn them all um but just any any documentation you know you you do a, a generational shift forward entirely whatever they call that generation they're gonna look at 2020 and be like what the fuck were these retards doing oh, yeah. were all these people were all these people retarded what what kind of kool-aid were they drinking was it all the fluoride? What, what's happening? What, what are we doing? Yeah, something going on. It's funny. I had a, I think I mentioned this on one of the group chests we had. I, when I was just at church for Pascha, like Orthodox Easter, one of the Russian women comes up to me. And because I, I, I was mentioning what's going on in France right now, being of French blood, I'm like, man, if that pops off, I'll move straight to France. Like, it's. <laughs> it's just it's like. You know, this is why I love the French. You know, they take away their baguettes and they take away their cigarettes and they come out in the street and burn the banks. But the Americans, they just stay home with their guns when all they take, they take all their lives away. They take all their rights away. And I was just like, don't believe everything you, uh, don't believe everything you hear in the news, sweetheart. But I like the sentiment. I like the, uh, like the pro-French sentiment. And she's right. It's like, you take one little, imagine if you raise the taxes on French cigarettes. But... France is a country without fluoride in the water supply. Whereas here, if, if you're if you're uh-huh. you got the water supply, it's like poo. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> drinking American tap water, this is a bit pedestrian, as she's saying. Yeah, no, it's it's bad. When I was there um, in Portland, I think for my second or third, it might have been my last time. Um, I had a I had a delivery job. I was I moved over there with my wife. Now I was 22, 23, something like that. And I had a delivery job um, delivering batteries, like all all sorts of batteries, whatever it was, you know, automotive specialty, whatever it was. And so I'd have to go into downtown where all these old automotive shops are, and you know everything else with a giant ass truck, and like streets like Fremont, Lombard, MLK, all these streets that are famous in Portland. I could not drive down them in the truck. And it wasn't a huge truck. It was just a box, you know, a bigger box van because people are just walking across the street like it's not a street, right? And they're the people you're thinking about in your head, right? They barely have pants on, you know, there's colors everywhere. And they would just, I'm talking, it's a 40 mile an hour road and they just walk out in the road. And then for people parking, they're like, yeah, we don't give a shit. We're just, you know, we'll just we'll just park our shit wherever we want in the street. So I would knock off mirrors at 40 miles an hour. Just dunk, 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 dunk. Just let them go. Like it, it's impossible to try and like actually thrive in cities like that. You can't. I can't do my job. These people clearly aren't working. No one else can do their jobs. Like it's it's this whole succubus event always happening 24 hours a day in places like that. Yeah. It's. It's wild, man. So, um, needless to say, we got out. Yeah. We we got out quick, um, and like the only reason we actually left, we were we were living, um, you know, like 
on a good day, like an hour and a half um, north on the Washington border mm. from Portland. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I left, my mom got diagnosed with cancer. She was dying. And so I told my boss, like, hey, either I'm quitting or you can transfer me over to the Boise thing. I'm from there anyway. And my mom's dying. And so I moved that weekend. Um, that that was like, I mean, hor- horrible situation, but it got me out at least because we probably would have stayed there. I was making good money. We were comfortable in that little town we were in. And then we went back <clears throat> like four years ago. We drove through that town and it is just a mini Portland. And I was like, holy shit, I'm glad we got out, man. I'm glad we got the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's getting, uh, it's spreading everywhere. Luckily, I mean, I'm pretty insulated in the state I'm in. Idaho doesn't get national news coverage. Florida does. But Idaho has been ahead of Florida in all the executive orders that they've signed that are the same that Florida has. So it's wonderful. I'm like, yeah, oh, I bet Florida's going to do it. Oh, look, they did. But Idaho doesn't get national coverage, and it's wonderful. <laughs> it works out great. Yeah, I know. You guys are just sort of tucked away in this Goldilocks zone. You have, like, the greenery of Cascadia. You're, like, you're just enough out of the way that, you know, Marxist types won't try to waltz in there and raise hell. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I, Idaho only has so much, like, inhabitable area, and it's already inhabited. Like, Idaho's just one giant national park. And yeah. the places it can inhabit, like, people are like, okay, yeah, I guess we can try and build a house here, live here. Other than that, it's just mountains that you barely can climb if you can at all in forests forever. That's all. And it's, and it's just, you can't do anything with that terrain other than I'll stand at the bottom and I'll maybe shoot an elk from it and hopefully it rolls down. You're not allowed, you're not allowed to go on the terrain at all? No, you can't. It's just, so, so much of it is impassable. It's ridiculous. Oh, like there's, there's you know national forests and state parks and all that stuff that are somewhat accessible. If you're wild enough, you can try and you know make a couple day trek. And there's people that do it. Don't sign me up for that. Miss me with that shit. Like there, that's some hard country around Idaho. When, once you get north of the Treasure Valley, which is where I am, um, in the southwest portion, once you get north of that. It gets wild, man. It's it is just mountains and water. Like, fun fact: Idaho has more contiguous, whatever you want to call it, water in this state than all the rest of the the lower forty-eight combined. Whoa! Yeah. I love a statistic. That's a lot of water. non-fluoridated water okay yeah it's just regular water with you know the regular is this why you say to will and i where you're like you know you guys are just eventually coming to idaho it's just just inevitable just just there's reason that i'd say that but also the american readout is the reason i say that because it's it's mathematically sound like people have crunched the numbers on it the data is out there people have examined it people have tested the theories of it like when when we get to the stage of oh we're about to balkanize the american readout will win you can, can you and a bunch you elaborate of, on that here. you further uh, yeah yeah the so the american readout r-e-d-o-u-p-t um is Idaho, and like I'll do this in a layman's term because I'm just a normal layman. I'm not going to be super fancy. It's Idaho, 
Montana and Wyoming mm. with part of Eastern Washington and part of Eastern Oregon because they identify as us, they vote like us, they are the same people as Idaho. They don't get any representation from the I-5 corridor. Mm. Um, so it's mainly the big, the three whole states, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, are the most fiscally sound in their GDP. Uh, they have the biggest surplus. They have the most, um, I don't remember what they call it, like the growth economy. They have the most jobs. Um, all of their housing market, their land, you know, all the real estate stuff is the highest in the nation. So the American redoubt is those three states saying, fuck you to the federal government because they're the only three states that they combined that could actually do it without federal support. Like Texas likes to say all the time, hey, we're going to secede and Texas and we're our own country now, except for they are way in the hole in their GDP. So if they pull the plug on federal funding, a way too many people are going to lose their 401ks, their health, their, you know, all their veteran benefits, everything. Right. So you have to take that into account if you plan on seceding, like you're going to lose all federal funding. Let alone, you know, it's not just going to be people in the federal buildings just leaving. Everyone's everything is going away. So you have to be very fiscally sound to be able to get that to happen. So balkanization is on the horizon, which most sane people would be like, hey, this is kind of looking like balkanization. Um, that's you, you have to take those things into account because it's not just you can throw off the shackles and everything's going to be okay. You have to make sure that your little nest egg is ready to go. I'm always on the fence about balkanization because on paper and in terms of sentiments and in terms of in terms of, you know, initially it sounds like a good idea because, you know, certain Marxist types aren't going to get along with patriots. You know, Floridians aren't going to thrive in the same environment as the people from Vermont. So in that sense, it makes initial sense to me. But then my, my first instinct is to say that, and that's easy pickings for countries like China, countries like, the jury's out on whose side of the Russians are on. But... <laughs> The Russians are on their own side, but I sure as hell trust them more than the CCP. I'll tell you that much. Um, a country, a country where they're trying to foster the nuclear family. They're uh, they banned GMOs. They got rid of a they got rid of a Central European elite-owned central bank, and they're the first country to ever do that. So Russia's looking pretty sweet if you can speak some languages involving the Cyrillic alphabet. For those of you who can't, if you're staying put in America. Your grouping of states that you mentioned, it certainly sounds the most sound in terms of survival, but what does survival look like if China is going to come knocking on the door and say, y'all are just pickings now? That's my initial instinct. B, I don't think it's going to, it looks like it's going to be this bad. Right now it looks, all, all roads point to balkanization, I would agree with that, but I can't, I, I, can, I can sort of three-dimensional logic that, I could say. That's probably what's going to happen. Viscerally, though, it just screams to me that it's 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 going to reach a point where it just all bounces back at some point. Like there's going to be so much mass sanity, especially. I mentioned to you that I went to Seattle, and I found Seattle to be not that bad. I know compared to places like Texas and Arkansas and Idaho, it's just it may as well be the fucking gulag. But I come from the Bay Area, so it's actually kind of like a couple notches down. So I got to be like, oh, this is not a nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, what's funny too, I noticed when I got an Uber, and my, my dad's a New Yorker, so I know what New York taxi drivers are like. They, they drive like they don't want to live. They're like, you're going to get there on time. I lose a fuck, couple fucking limbs, but you're going to catch your plane at LaGuardia. You're going to catch your plane at JFK. And 
this, this I get in an Uber. This guy's driving like a fucking New York taxi driver. I was like, oh, well, this is a hell of a lot more aggressive than anything I've seen in the Bay Area when it comes to driving. This is kind of nice. Typically, I walked across the street when I wasn't supposed to, and it held up this one car, and the car behind me, they like honking the horn and flipping double birds at me, and I almost smiled. I was like, oh, wow, that's really nice, because men are being men instead of being, you know, soy boys silently judging me. You know what I mean? So I was like, you know, like, this is pretty good up here. It's like a good, good it's what what is uh, coming to America. Good morning, New York. Fuck you. Fuck you, too. <laughs> What, what was this dude? He's, he's like working at McDonald's or something, and he's like trying to small talk with his boss. He's like, excuse me, sir, did you see the sports contest between the, the Eagles of Philadelphia and the, the Giants of New York? And he's like, all right, listen, if you're going to work here, you're going to need to stay off the drugs, all right? <laughs> and this was mid, mid-80s crack boom in New York City. And he's like, what? Yep. Oh, mid yeah, exactly. And you know, when, when I when I got up there, I mean, it's just I, I was at this awesome powerlifting gym that's like in a basement under an office building, and no one down there is wearing masks. And there's like apparently a bunch of world champions who train there, and they're like, "Oh, are you a strongman or a powerlifter?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm a Muay Thai fighter with really really good lifts." And they're like, "Oh, okay, cool." And then they're like, "What are you what are, what are you pulling?" Four plates? I'm like, oh, you know, north of five. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. And they're like, handed me a couple of years. I was like, wow, this place is great. So it, it seemed to me there's still like a lot more traditional masculinity at Kumos and just just common sense as a general rule in Seattle than anything I've seen in the Bay Area, with the exception of the mixed martial arts community. Because if you look at the resources, and that, that's the reason that I've stayed for so long, if it wasn't for that, I'd have been out a long, long, long time ago. But if, with the, uh, honestly, I'll go on the limb and say, between all the gyms you have in the Bay Area, I mean, obviously you have AKA for the you know the super MMA team, Kane Velasquez, Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, you have you have Pacific Ring and and Woodenman and Rise Muay Thai. They're all the leftover guys from the Fairtex days. You have San Jose State Judo, which is the best judo team in the country. Um, they consistently win Olympic gold medals. They have Kyotera Jiu-Jitsu, who's one of two guys ever to may have a black belt in three years, 11-time world champion. So it's like the amount of skills. I mean, you have Kings Boxing. You have U.S. Karate and Boxing, the home of Andre Ward. Like any martial art you can really think of. Like if you can if you can find a wrestling coach from Gilroy High School, you're going to be an absolute monster. So they had all these just everywhere sporadically throughout the Bay Area, whether it's Oakland or San Jose or even the Central Valley or San Francisco, they had like just an immense amount of resources for mixed martial arts. So if you if you get in that community, you're like, oh, okay, all these people are fucking kill me. You're like, all right, there's some masculinity here. But it's not typically out in the streets. Like I don't I don't hang out in San Jose much, but you'll see that quite a bit. You'll see it's more of an aggressive environment than even Oakland now, honestly. Um, but getting to, getting to Seattle, I was like, so much, there's, there's a lot more thumos, a lot more spirit, a lot more common sense. What I noticed, too, like, you, you've probably met enough Californians to know, that a lot of Californians are, like, aggressively nice, but it's, it's almost like Tom Cruise, there's, like, nothing behind the eyes, you know what I mean? And they're like, oh, my God, how are you? Yes, it's so good to meet you. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll totally get together again, absolutely, for sure. For sure, never happens. Never happens. It's all the pomp, the pomp and the bigness and the projection and everything else, and it... 
it's it's just boring at this point. Like, just come on, just move on from that pedestal you're on. Obviously, it's not working. Like you have, and I'm I'm speaking broadly of those types of people. Like, I, you you know who they are. <laughs> With the you're giving, they think about Karens, right? Or like women named Tiffany. It's they want to be so super nice and all this superficial things and it's all about stuff and life's about stuff and I'm building this and we're doing this and my husband is a doctor and we've got a five million dollar home and seven fireplaces and it's those type of right like they're not they're not going to offer you anything you're never going to garner anything from them that you know no no amount of positive energy is going to breathe from interacting with those people so instead I just get the fuck out of it. I just ignore them. Like, I've, I've met so many of them, especially in the industry that I'm in. I just, yeah, cool. I move on. Like, if you have no value to my life whatsoever. I just, I write them off like a bad check. And that makes me sound like a 90s kid because I just use the phrase check. But you get it. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I understand. Yeah, I mean, I told, I told World this on this podcast. So I almost have, like, auto replies to statements like that. And like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not really talking. I'm like, it's literally like an automated reply because I know you're that type of person. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, there's no, there's no neurons firing. It's just, oh, I can make grunty sounds in the report and then it'll go away. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, w- w- one thing that's deeply depressing is I don't when I don't realize that I've gone days without saying actual sentences, and I like I haven't ever conversation with someone like you or Will or either of my parents and I'm like oh Jesus like humanity I forgot for a couple days there I forgot you know um, and it's and I don't do it to be mean I don't do it to be an asshole I, I just do it because you know I, I know if I really try to connect that there are people who are just they just, they just don't do it my, my dad harps on this a lot, being a New Yorker, because maybe not so much now. When I, when I live there, there's this, this part's about New York still alive. Like, they have genuine conversations. Like, if you're like, you're like yeah, for sure, like, what's the matter with you? Like, you're you going to talk or not? Like, I'm, I'm talking to you. Like, I'm literally right here talking to you. You're not, are you not talking back? You don't want to talk to me? Okay, I'll, I'll fuck myself then. On to the next, you know? Um, but... Okay, so very like I, I'm listeners. You know, I, you know, I can get very long-winded, but I always bring it home to relax. What I was getting at to bring it back to balkanization is, I, I, I like people who you would not think like you would take a look at them. You're like, there's no way this guy like knows what's up about you know banking systems or you know just <laughs> and, and, pick pick your topic and, and pick 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 um. Pick a well-researched level in any of these topics that basically you want to do the opposite of what the news is saying. Like people fed up, like who I would not think they're even remotely aware. And I'm, I'm seeing people here in the Bay Area who know or are starting to know what's up. So I, I my, my sense viscerally is that even though right now on paper it looks like balkanization is what's going to happen, there's going to reach a point where everyone's almost going to have like this massive some, some people are calling it the Great Awakening. I don't really... Some people message me some QAnon stuff. I don't really take a look at that. But what I viscerally get the sense of is that people will ultimately just sort of come to common sense. And that, like, all, all the, the nonsensical just 
literally anti-logic that's being peddled right now will eventually seem, like you said, in 20 years, like, what the fuck are those people doing? What Kool-Aid are they drinking? What's the fluoride? Like, I don't I don't think people are going to reach that point after balkanization. I think that would be before it could happen. Yeah, I think I think that would, as far as if we're, if we're to put it in the two different arguments, then yes, reaching beforehand would be kind of the you know the catalyst, right? The the biggest catalyst would be, you know, people are kind of like, oh wow, this is absolute hot garbage. We probably shouldn't do this. And I I talked a little about this too a couple weeks back. Is that that the whole idea of hope. And you know, you, you hope that your fellow man has a little bit of spark left in him, and and you, you hope that he can defend his family. You hope all this. And as much as I don't like to be about that, there's there's a certain percentage of men, or sorry, a certain percentage inside of men that that has that. And I just want to know where the Overton window needs to shift for that light bulb for them to come on. Even if it even if it's just the smallest you know, just a small little inkling of things that hey, maybe this isn't right, or even if it's not about like the geopolitical events happening right now. Even if it's just, hey, you know, because it all starts small, right? That small fire thing. Hey, um, I'm a little bit overweight. Maybe I shouldn't be a fat ass. I need to be able to outrun my kid that's eight years old. You know, that little stuff that can compound and that can cascade and that and I just well, I hope collectively as human beings, everyone finds that little bit of spark somewhere. And if, and if they just, you know, put their focus on something, may not be the right thing, just go get it after something and learn how to... Um, and I wrote about it, the universal language of failure has stopped being spoken amongst men, and it really shows. Um, and not just amongst men, I mean amongst women, too. It's People have gotten so comfortable and so conditioned to you know, and very simply their norms just just their their day-to-day their regular activities their this is what i'm going to do and and that's it and fortunate enough for me I, I work in an industry where it's it's always different every day but outside of your normal work life your home life having that complacency and that normalcy and that comfortability isn't doing you any good it really isn't and I'm, I'm speaking to just generalities here it, it it is harming you on a lot of levels and it's just it's greatly retarding what you could be or what you could do or what you could experience whether it's negative or positive i mean there's going to be stuff that people do that absolutely sucks but at least they have an experience you know at least at least at least they learned they hated it yeah right like i, I can't I can't sit and say I've, you know, done a million things, but the things I have done, either I enjoyed it or I absolutely hated it. I never went back to it. But what I've started to do, even more so now over the last like year and a half, is do shit that makes me uncomfortable. Because if it makes me uncomfortable, that means I probably need to try it a little bit more and see if I can exploit something from it or if I can squeeze that fruit, whatever it may be. And there's a lot of stuff that I've sucked at, like really bad. Mm. But at least I learned how to not do that portion of it. You know, like do it different the next time. Get up. Fail. We all do. That's what creates strong men. Like you have to fail. You have to fail hard most of the time, especially now. Like the, the, you know, the linear graph 
it, it got so high, right? You, you're all these positive experiences, positive, 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 and it just keeps climbing and keeps climbing. That drop is going to be significant, especially for our young men right now that have had all this stuff and all these luxuries handed to them. That recovery has to be, you know, basket weaved underneath by strong men ready to catch them. Like, hey, you know what? You failed. That's what happens. We all have. Let's go. We're going back up. You know. Yeah, that that's that come down without any support is gonna be nasty. It's gonna be very very nasty for people. Yeah, I went through it. I, I went through it firsthand when I was when I started doing this homestead thing. I didn't learn this from anybody other than I sat down, I bought a bunch of books, and I started doing it. So that was it, and I failed a lot. I failed hard. So, so what, 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 is, what is your line of work at the moment? <clears throat> uh, right now, so I work in the, my, my regular job, which um, isn't like the homesteader stream thing. I, I work in the, the recreational vehicle industry, so I run and manage a service department for people who own travel trailers, RVs, motorhomes, things like that. Yeah, I remember you and I discussed. I remember you and I discussed it before. For the listener, the listeners, you mentioned to me that you have a timeline where you, you're you're on track to be purely your, your income will purely be from homesteading. That is that is the five year plan as of this year. We finally got to the stage where I was like, okay. I think I can make it happen in five years. If it stretches a little more than that, that's okay. Like we're perfectly comfortable and set where we are. Like we don't we don't need any more land right now. Um, the only things we would need on this property is just you know more implements and more outbuildings, and that just comes with time. Um, so the 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 reason I wanted to do that. Um, I think I, I think it was 2016, 2017. I've always been a questioner of everything. I've always had a chip on my shoulder. I didn't do good in school. I didn't do good in college. I didn't learn that way. Um, I've always been a kind of who the fuck are you to be teaching me that sort of guy mm. because I needed to find it out for myself. Um, and I don't, I don't know that if that's a character flaw, if that's situational. I, I have no idea. But I've always been like, hey, you know, all right, I've, I've learned the learned the kind of the gist of what you're saying. I'm going to go do it. If I fuck it up, I'm going to learn how not to do that. But I need to experience those things. I can't just I can't just sit and listen and I can't just sit and read. I'll sit and read it and I'll soak up the knowledge. But obviously, when you read something, whether it's instructional or directional or, you know, biography, whatever it is, you have to go apply that somehow. And that's, that's going to vary for every human that ever, you know, tries to gain that knowledge. So in like 2016, 2017, I think, yeah, I think it was the end of 16. I ended up losing uh, because of a corporate changeover, which is why I hated working in the corporate world. Because of a corporate changeover at my job, I think um, it was it was overnight. Like they, they bought us and then... Um, that very next day we had to sign new pay plans. Yeah, I ended up losing like $37,000 immediately a year. What? Um, which is extreme. Yeah. That's a, that's a massive chunk. That's, that's someone's income. Like, oh, entire income. 
Exactly. Exactly. So uh, that happened, and I was like, I knew I hated the corporate world, and proof in the pudding. Here we go. This is exactly why. Yeah. <clears throat> so at that point, uh, we I mean, we were pretty sound. It, it, we weren't hurting, and then that happened, and I was like, well, shit, we're going to be hurting real quick, you know, because that, that's a good chunk of money. And so it was like uh, maybe four months that I completely just radically changed our lifestyle. Like I, I was that that one week, I was like, okay, I'm gonna figure out how I save all of my money, how I only buy shit that I need, how we can survive, and then I just go back to my basics: food, water, shelter, heat. As long as I can sustain those, we'll be fine, and I'll make up everything else on the go. Like I will, I will figure it out as we go because this is gonna be a windfall, and it was. It was uh, it, it was rough for a long time, but um, I figured out very quickly all the shit that we didn't need all these necessities as we called them that weren't actually necessary you know all, all this shit that humans actually don't need and i purged everything my wife was obviously on board she's still with me she didn't leave my ass so we're good yeah um and we are just just wildly happy happier because of it it's it's I, I couldn't it was it was a blessing in disguise you, you know you, you can't you can't plan for those things to happen but now that it did i can plan for something like that to happen again right i had to, I had to go through that experience and right now our overhead is what it is we try to be as you know fiscally sound as possible and conservative for money and you know grow what we want to eat and whether that's livestock or food or you know, chickens, eggs, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but it also grounded me more to the earth to realize like, Hey, this takes some fucking work to actually do this. And if I want to do it right, I have to respect the planet and I have to be holistic and I have to be permaculture and I have to do compost and treat my soil right. And it's a whole whirlwind of stuff, man. And I met some really good people through it. Um, and I, I, especially on Instagram, I've met, I met some really decent people that are either in it or they're really trying to and just being able to share those ideas back and forth you know the the whole thing like the whole thing in general is you just trick other people into teaching you their tricks yeah that's all and you just go about life yeah i mean you you and i i mean beverly really tricked this guy one guy offered a, a couple hours ago group chat knowledge of rifle marksmanship portfolio crafting in theory, he said, which sounds fascinating, and then uh, our Arctic environment building, and I was like, I want to do all these things. And you just volunteered. <laughs> you, you, everyone in that group was having an exchange of ideas and coaching, and I saw all those, and he's like, well, I don't really know much, and he lists these amazing skills that I haven't really heard in a grouping together before, and he's like, I only do that. I'll figure it out. Yeah, you don't, you don't. You don't hear those together like th those three things never just go together so when you see it you're like you you some bitch you have a lot of good skills what are you doing like yes yes you know and that's sort of like i've, I've had this thought for a while right like this it's, it's almost infuriating it's like you know people who have like this really eclectic skill set and they think like man nothing matches like i don't i don't know investment banking and <laughs> And hedge fund building, whatever the fuck, like just all group grouping with it, with finance, right? 
And then you, you like you're like, wait, no, there's actually a lot of value just parallels within all of them. And this this is this is this is a truly related thought, but it doesn't sound it initially spoken. Like if you look at a lot of the British bands, right? Like uh, the Depeche Modes, the Cure, the Smiths, New Order, all these guys. You like you interview Joy Division, you interview them in real life. Like, eh, uh, makes music, eh, 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 okay. and it's, it seems like they, they're not really doing anything, and then you see their art, and you're like, motherfucker, like, this is amazing, and if, I, if, if it wasn't for this, where would all that go, would it just be scribbled into a notebook for everyone to see, and you're like, mate, it's really shit, you know, it's just really shit words, yeah, it's just, and having lived in England too, it's just like, if you if you're a positive person, they're like, oh right, you haven't really been around the now, have you? And it's like, no. So and I, I I even I even got in an argument with a buddy of mine. I was like, you know, negative isn't smart. Negative is just negative. And I, I told him too because he was a really talented writer and he's a talented actor. This is when I was at drama school and I was like, you're a lot more fucking talented than you give yourself credit for. Some of the scripts that you've written, you're like, oh, I might do this shit, you know, I really need to sort of just go back into the editing room. And I was just like, just blankly stared at him. He's like, your shit's really good. You should get over yourself. And so one, one of the things that is really funny in terms of what's backfired, like you mentioned the pendulum swinging, but what's backfired for the quote-unquote dark, like, men in dark suits in back rooms, right? Just call them that. I, don't, I think that, that's a pretty yeah. adequate description. Is when men, like, when men gather, right? That's when, that's when people like that start getting nervous, because they start trading notes. Like, wait a second, this is bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah, this is bullshit. We're getting a raw deal. And they're like, oh. The part of, part of all this lockdown nonsense, which obviously does nothing to help anything. Um, has been men have actually gotten together even more and they've been more open to speaking to people across the country, across the world that they never would have spoken to in the first place. And now they're learning skill sets that they never could have learned. So it's just, it's completely backfiring and I can't even begin to measure. Like, I can't even begin to measure the ripple effect of that. And my rebel heart is on fire. Just on fire because of it. It makes me so happy. Dude, you, you like genuinely like will okay when you when you see real will write chats or posts or post a podcast right, you feel this like this very calm, resolved joy. Like it's, it's here, the Renaissance event is here. Like we are the Renaissance. <laughs> when I see you post, you wake up like, all right, let's get it going. <laughs> It's like this, this, this insurmountable like joy paired with Thumos. It's just, just fantastic. I see KJ in the group chat. I'm like, dude, you, you and Devin both, you and Devin Medrano and Atrefield, Chadistan. Oh, I love to say both identities one. I'll, I'll edit that out. Um, Devin Medrano, the the, the Atrefield, my fast brother. You two both are the, like the most enthusiastic by far. I have, I have my ways where I'm enthusiastic, and I have my ways where. Mal Broody and back in the, back in the, what's, 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 what's a dominion that starts with a B? Uh, mm-hmm. Balkanization. So, uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, 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 like, my energy and, like, the, 
I don't. I think that's that's why you and I vibe so good, and and the, the men that we've met, especially over the last couple months, because it's really gaining traction, right? It's it's really picking up, and and men are really starting to come around this. I mean, I know just on my Instagram as well as Wales, like my my phone blows the fuck up all day. It's just nonstop, yeah. and it all has to do with something about this, whether it's personal development or you know masculinity or whatever it is. And I'm no you know, mental piece by any means whatsoever. But if I have something to offer somebody that's going to help them along that path, absolutely. I'll take whatever time that I need to get that done. But my energy about it is that I tried really hard, especially like as soon as I started my homestead, I tried really hard. I was like, no, I'm going to be this like introverted, like broody man. And I'm going to think about things more and I'm going to try to be better with my speech. And I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to really, and I was like, nope, not me. Can't do it. I'm always just going to fuck around and bring full energy forward. And whatever happens, happens, and I can figure it out. Like, if I got punched in the face because of it, all right, here we go. Like, like I'm, yeah. that's how I am. I can't not be that. I have to always be like, hey, you're doing this? Great. How can I help you? Like, how can I help you do this thing better? How can I make it bigger? Whatever it may be. And it, even if it's, you know, not a location thing, if it's someone in my immediate locale, perfect, I'm there. I'll, I'll make this thing happen. Hmm. If it's something over the Internet, which most of us are doing right now, it's I, I want to share it. I want to post it. I want to tag it. I want to bring that person up because I don't engage with people that don't have a good message. They don't have a good thought. They don't have a good, you know, thumos about them, anything like that. I don't engage with them. So whatever it is, I'm going to I'm going to bring you up one way or the other kicking screaming dragging you i'm doing it i love that i love that because you know like a lot of people would you know myself now i'm a big surgical speech guy for the most part and i break i uh you know I'm, I'm i'm gonna start making one sports ball reference every podcast just as a meme just 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 to throw people off you know what i mean because like oh boy. I, I i mentioned this to will like Certain analysis of personalities and tactics from sports ball can be beneficial. What isn't beneficial about sports ball is like buying a buying a shirt with another dude's name on the back and being like, oh, I can't believe the Niners Like that's that's what's making men bitches. But like there's there, like there's there's knowledge gained from everything. So for the most part, I try to be more you know precise, surgical. You know, Joe Montana. Just laser-guided missiles and a cool under pressure. Never lost the Super Bowl that he went to. Most important team that matters in football is San Francisco 49ers. But every once in a while, people have got one of this. Every, every, every once in a while. It's like, uh, I, I remember the, the, one, one time in particular, it goes, it goes full Brett Favre, full, full wild man, gunslinging. And I, I, for some reason, I had a day off from the, from the bar. In, uh, in 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 San Francisco, and walking around, the running joke was: if Arthur's not in the gym at his house at work or at church, he's dead. Like if you find him somewhere else, like he's, he's not screwing some girl. He's not. Is he doing the whole monk thing? Whatever that means, no one understands. When people come out with me, I'm doing monk mode. I'm like, bro, I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, well, it came out like it is. I'm like, no, I was doing the literal monk mode thing, being an Orthodox Christian. I was celibate by choice for four years, and I was just focusing on training and prayer. That's it. And I'm like, oh, came out like, bro, I don't think you're understanding me. Like, I, I, in any, I've not read the Rational Mail. I've not read Bond's Age Mindset. Like, this is stuff that I've 
done in real life that I write it plain and simple or stuff I'm going through. And you you're the exactly you're the same. You're absolutely the same. And like but I remember <laughs> I remember this one time, you know, like I was walking through downtown in San Francisco. Actually no, it was it was in mission and someone saw me like, Arthur, who gave you a day off? I was like, I don't know. It wasn't me. It definitely wasn't me. And like, do you wanna go out? I'm like Normally I'd say no, but you know what? Like it, like, <laughs> and I found myself at like around seven bars. At like the, 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 the point, the point I'm getting at in terms of solidarity is like my, my default setting is that surgical speech, but that's my default setting. Default settings like yours, a default setting like take your pick of the of the voice, right? Take your pick of the way everyone speaks across the sphere. Take nature Chad versus letter from the ruins. Take. Forrest Munnan versus Flambotus. Like, everyone has something different. But what I love about guys like you and Devin, it's like you, 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 you've already signed you signed the contract for the consequences of what may go wrong. Like, this is who I am. This is what I can best offer to manhood. This is, this is my reality. I may get things wrong sometimes. It doesn't matter. Everyone gets things wrong sometimes. It'll just be a bit louder when I do it. And... I'm going to be full sand on fire every time, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, we're not going to have every guy look the same. There's a certain amount of discipline that every guy needs, but that discipline is applied to different roles, different personalities, so people don't understand how that manifests. They think everyone's supposed to look like a, look like one of these Greco-Roman statues with a book of a book of uh, Marcus Aurelius in their hands. You know what I mean? No, no, I get it. And that's, <clears throat> like, I, I, I shit talk myself all the time, like, we're, we're about to get deep, but I should talk to myself all the time. Cause I'm like, hey, I, you know, I should be jacked. I should be swole. I should be this, and I, I should, you know, look like Adonis. And then I realized, like, wait, I work sixty hours a week, and I run a fucking farm. Like when I'm not at work, yeah. Like I've shit to do <laughs> all the time. And I know people are like, oh, you got to make time to do it. You make time to do it, and I do. Like I'll, I'll, I'll try and exercise, whatever. But my daily farm chores is exercise yeah. and like people are always talking to me like oh you're just, you're just tall and scrawny yeah well i can do this job for 14 hours a day on a farm can you like no. it's a little bit different it, it's a little bit different and so it like i don't i i want i want a little bit inside of that go like, oh, i'm gonna get all jacked and do this but then my whole life where i was playing football or i was wrestling because i wrestled since i was like four years old i never I never got like a big muscle mass, and it's because I'm a lanky dude. I'm six one. My arm span is like eight inches longer than I am tall. Like I look like a weird orangutan. So I was never able to like bulk up or anything else, but I have a really high endurance level and I have a humongous pain tolerance. So I just I rolled with it with that, and now where I'm at, I was like, okay, well if I'm not gonna be big and jacked and swole. I'm just going to be violent as fuck with weapons. And so I did that instead. I mean, th th this, this, this has been a criticism of mine for the sphere, too. It's like, I'm not like, the, the, the only ones that have been like really vocal, but like the only people, like, but people post a lot of like characters as sort of like just channeling almost like a legend, you know, or a daemon, you know, and not demon, but a daemon in terms of like, oh, I post a lot of, you know, blank character. Like for me, it's a lot of. I can't really post too many characters. I'm just posting a lot of art, my own thoughts. But um, 
Okay, well, if you look at any of my masculine schmood boards, I haven't, I haven't posted one in a couple of weeks that wasn't, I had the full orthodox board from Costco, so most people didn't relate to that, like, I don't even know any of these saints or whatever, who is this, who's St. Moses the Black, who's St. Christopher, you know, um, but the only ones that I've been, like, genuinely critical of are Patrick Bateman and Don Draper, it's like, okay, so you've been bitching, okay, You've been bitching about Wall Street and bitching about Kazarians and one-worlders and all these people and materialism and degeneracy. And you've basically chosen a sociopathic, psychopathic one-percenter who does not give a flying fuck about the common man or preventing degeneracy, who is degenerate himself and is massively materialistic and broken. This is the, this is the guy. Like, oh, but he's being, like, authentic. I'm like, yeah, well... Cardi B's like, I don't want to fucking hear anything she has to say. So, plain and simple. And then the other one is Don Draper. It's like, okay, yeah, Don Draper has some good aesthetics. You know, the the, the scene of him when he's like coming down from the, the airplane, he has the sunglasses at the gold flame ray bands, he has the gold zip. I'm like, all right, that's pretty badass. Not gonna lie. He's, you know, he's a very good speaker, right? He's, that's why he's talented at his advertising job. So, within, within being, you know, Don Draper, the admin, Great, great example. But here's here's the problem: when you have guys that have characters like that that lead with this sort of like, I'm a broken man, like I'm a broken anti-hero. I I abuse. I don't. I don't. It's not that I smoke cigarettes or or drink alcohol. It's that I abuse them regularly. I leave my family in shambles. If you glance into this psyche, I'm a clearly broken man. And if it wasn't for this one job that I have that I'm good at, I would nothing. Like, it's, why are these the guys you're peddling? We're, we're talking about rebuilding the nuclear family. We're talking about preventing degeneracy. And you're just slapping two of the icons that do the exact opposite on everything. It doesn't make any sense to me. Any sense to me. And, no, no, and, that, and it's, it's the trope. It's the, it's the giant trope of it. But if you want to be aesthetic and do that aesthetic thing, you know, whatever whatever realm that may be, whether it's, you know, marble art or paintings, whatever it is, like pick a different fucking dude or like do your do your research at least. And that's why there's a lot of pages I'm looking through I'm like, God damn it, like come on. It take it takes fifteen to and I'm not I'm just a normal redneck dude. That that's all I am. I just happen to be a giant student of history. Like huge. That I read a lot. And so when people post stuff, I'm like, motherfucker, it takes 15 seconds to figure out who that dude is. Like that that's all it would take, yeah. Yeah. You got a supercomputer in your hand. Like it's a supercomputer. At all times, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. It's uh, it, 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 that is that is like really sad to me. I'm like I'm really careful with what I post. Like I can some of mine in real life were more teaching or like my two actually my two favorite uh, I'm getting two sport ball references in one guys. Oh shit! Get crazy. Um, Dennis Rodman and Allen Iverson, particularly Dennis Rodman. Now, what I love about Dennis Rodman is that guy is non-fucking stop in terms of engine, in terms of work ethic, in terms of don't quit muscle, in terms of this is who I am. I did it my way. He's it's very strategic mind too. If you listen to him speak about the rebound and like his philosophy behind being the greatest rebounder ever, the greatest defender ever. Like there's a mind there. There's a tenacity there. There's a don't quit there. There's 
there's just an absolutely nonstop erratic man. Like what I find myself when I watch team sports that I, I really like the guys like in soccer, the holding midfielder, the defensive midfielder, who has just such, such a nasty work rate that it just ruins the other team's day. Or the, the, the more tormentor striker who's like, he may not score on you that day, but he'll make your life fucking miserable just from his work, just from the constant threat, right? So that that part of Dennis Rodman is cool. But then you have the whole, like, degeneracy tie, you know, the stories of Carmen Electra, Madonna, and all this stuff, where it's like, if I'm not careful, if people are looking at my my page for guidance, my podcast for guidance, and I post Dennis Rodman and lead them, like, potentially lead them astray, or be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why are you posting this guy? Like, I, I need, I'm at a point where, like, I sort of need to answer for it. I only have, like, close to 5,000 followers. I'm not, I'm not some checkmark guy. Right, but I get people asking me questions and guidance all the time, and I'm going to serve them better than that. So if I'm going to post something about Dennis Rodman, I'm going to I'm going to have a bunch of caveats like, "Hey, I don't come down this, 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 and this." But here's something: don't wear your ass. But here's why he was a good basketball player. Well, not even just a good, not even just good good basketball player. Like these are attributes of him that are that are worthy of emulating and worthy of cultivating. But yeah, don't marry yourself. On public television, like it's not the best. Yeah, if you're gonna gonna go to Korea, lay off the special K beforehand. Just, just calm down. Try to be, you know, diplomatic. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, whereas like (laughs) I've noticed with Arnold Schwarzenegger brought bodybuilding to the forefront. He did. But he's been subverted, and what I've noticed is there's too much of a bodybuilding influence when it comes to the physical culture of the sphere. Yep, absolutely. But, like, martial art, like, you need a baseline level of strength. Okay? First, first of all, I harp on this all the time, but I'm going to continue to harp on this until people finally understand it. This is part of the stuff that Primal Driving are doing with our training. Strength, if, you're do- if, if, you, have, if you have scribbled down eight sets of eight reps, with two minute rest and call that strength. That's not strength. That's bodybuilding. Like bodybuilding is like way too much of an influence in this country, in the Western world in general, on strength. You go to the Eastern world, China, Russia, any of the countries in the Eastern Bloc. Look at the Soviet weightlifting team. They still have the most medals in weightlifting, and they haven't existed as a country for thirty years now. That says it all. Strength, and you, you can read this in the old twenties, nineteen twenties, you know, nineteen tens, eighteen nineties strongman books. George F. Jowett, you know, George Hackschmidt, all these guys. They all talk about you know gaining size is with the stuff that are that's everyone that everyone's doing right now. But strength is that you want as little burn as possible. Strength, you're like you're coaxing, you're sort of almost seducing your body and being able to actually lift more than it was able to before. Not just get burned out and tear muscle tissue and then eat enough raw, eat enough raw meat and drinking up raw milk to get bigger like that's that's pretty empirical and easy principle to follow but there's two there's too big an emphasis on just looking good I'm, I'm all for posting physique the golden one you know i think he's right in regards when it comes to the culture war but i would like to see a culture built a lit a bit more around functional aesthetics and what i mean by that is not just looking good right but you're looking good doing Martial arts training, doing Muay Thai, doing Jiu-Jitsu, doing actual strength stuff, training the transverse plane. But what I'm getting to is you're cultivating skills and you're strong and you have a high pain tolerance. And you have, because you're doing farm work, you're training in the transverse plane, you're training in the rotational plane. And that's where 
life-saving and ass-kicking lifts, right? When it comes down to doing what a man needs to do, where it, like let's say balkanization does happen, and again, I, I I stand pretty firm, I don't think it will, but let's say it did, right? Let's say someone comes calling to your home, some guy from, I don't know, some guy from Minnesota wants a piece of the action in Idaho, and he sees your house as the house to get the piece of the action. Are you going to be able to save your, your, your kids' lives by kicking some ass? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to be crass. I'm not saying that to be wild, man. I'm saying, like... No, that that's 100% fact. No, there, there, there's no... There's no... There's no, like, polarizing statement about that. But that's it. Like, someone's going to die. And it's not going to be me. Period. Yeah. The end. Are you really going to die for guns rights? Someone's going to die. Yeah, someone's going to. Someone's going to die. <laughs> it ain't going to be me. <laughs> like, they're not going to fully carpet, carpet porch, you know. I'm crossing the terminology here. They're not going to carpet bomb the entirety of the American, you know, Great forty-eight. Nope. This is not gonna happen. No, nope. there's a there's there's a there's there's a fine line that I toe between what I what what I say on these Marxist apps that we find ourselves having to use, and then you know between what we talk about as men, because there's I, I want to build people up to be able to <clears throat> to realize like hey. Like, you know, be proficient in something because someone is counting on you. And whether it's your community or your neighbors, and I've, I've talked about this too, like your, your neighbors are your first point of contact, period, the end, like send that. There's, and I talked about this as well too. Like if something that shit actually hits the fan, your neighbors that are 10 feet away or 100 yards away or wherever, wherever your locale is, they are your absolute first point of contact. No one's coming to save you. Nobody. And when you actually internalize that and think about it and you have that, you know, you know, people have those weird, like, and everybody does, you know, you have those weird existential, crazy fourth, fifth, sixth dimension, like awake thoughts where you're like, Oh my God, I'm a human on this planet and I'm so small and all this like, yeah, no one's coming to save you. That's it. That's what you're thinking about. Like, you're just this small speck in this expanse of everything. Take care of yourself. Figure out how to do it. Whatever that may be for you. Whatever it is. Whether it's strength training. Whether it's home settings like I do. Or just a shitload of guns and ammo. <laughs> like, it, yeah. whatever it yeah. is. No one's coming to save you. Be about yourself. Because that just constantly radiates to your surroundings. People feel that. People understand that energy. People resonate with that. And it strengthens everything around you. The stronger you can be with, you know, a certain set of skills, whatever it is, everyone else is going to benefit because of that. And then your job is going to not only be better, it's also going to be easier. You're also going to have an easier time doing that. If you surround yourself with people who are vibing with your energy in that, you're your job is damn near done. You just keep along that path and, hey, here we go. Oh, look, now everyone's proficient in firearms and I have a small army. It's it, it, it's a pretty simple math game, right? It's like, what if all my friends, you know, were proficient in hand-to-hand -hand combat, homesteading and firearms and philosophy and crypto and craftsmanship, and they all had five kids? Oh, look, we just created a country. <laughs> you know, forests, 
Forrest hit, hit, hit a pretty amazing white pill the other day on his story. You may, you may have seen it, where he's like, I used to worry about all these DJs, right? But these DJs are so anti-birth that they're literally just going to die out. Yeah, it's like a white pill and a black pill at the same time. That's a yin-yang pill. That's what that was. Yeah, big time. <laughs> big time. Because it's like, yeah, you know, they're going to influence more people to do the same. But, like, if they're if they're anti-birth, like, no matter like no matter how many people, like, if they, if they got to everybody, they got to everybody. It's obviously not going to happen, right? So eventually, if, people, if we keep staying on this path, it's not going to matter what. I, I found myself just... And I, and I I darkly giggle a lot on the inside. Like I I, I enjoy the dark stuff. Like I, I I like that. Like dark humor and just dry. Like that that's that that's my my nice feeling. That's my little blanket. I'm like ha fuckers. So I saw one the other day, yesterday, day before, and it was it was uh, it was dudes that used to be dudes that are like in that weird sphere of like they're not male or female you know they're just human flesh walking bodies and they don't identify as anything and it was an article by whatever some big ass magazine and like here's our three you know non-planetary cystical whatever the hell they say all these pronouns right here's these three dudes but that's not going to save them because they can't even get dates. Why is that? Well, it's because you look fucking malignant and you're wrong. Like, that's why. Like, it, And it's just so funny. Like, why can't they get dates? And it's because society disagrees with you. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> I can't. I, now, it's, it's just amazing that there's no pretense anymore and there's no thought behind it. Oh, no, we're just going to push this narrative. And we don't even care to see what happens. We're just going to push this narrative. Like, fuck. Here we are. You got a bunch of dudes wearing leopard skins on the the steps of a courthouse going, we can't get dates. Oh, weird. That's wild. Damn, that's crazy, bro. Like, (laughs) 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 So that that, that has to be, like, the most Californian response. Like, when you don't really want to keep talking about something, but you don't really have this good. Like, man, that's crazy. That's crazy, man. Damn, that's crazy. It's like, how many of you, how many times do you need to say this before you stop? Like, um, like, I just, like, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm a pretty big freak, guy. If you want, if you want to be, if you want to identify as nothing, go ahead. But don't expect the whole world to be like, I want you, like, right right here like there's there's this like obese dude who became a woman and then like i think solar sentinel shared this and <laughs> this this like man who he became a woman who's like obese and had like a mohawk and was like said like stepped out of my car at a gas station <laughs> and this man said you're beautiful and i turned around and i was like ew and now he won't look at me when and i was just like yeah i, just, I know i know and I was like, Alex, I'll take things that clearly didn't fucking happen for a thousand, please. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, your ass or a hole in the ground for 200. It's a picture of your ass or a hole in the ground. <laughs> oh, God. It's, 
the, the level of delusion is just... But, but then, like, I, I go, like... Are you familiar with Mr. Robot, that TV show and all? No, I know what it is. I never watched it, though. So basically, I mean, it's, it's an amazing show. I mean, it's... I'm surprised they let it air, honestly. Like, I really am. Because... Are you, though? Because know that I know the theme of the show, and remember what I said, there's no pretense anymore. It's all in your face. They're telling you what they're going to do, and they're telling you what's going to happen, and they're telling you what has been happening all the time. Normally, I'd agree with you. Normally, I'd say it's like... So, okay, I remember when, uh, right with January 2020, Netflix came out at this point, when I still had a Netflix and still gave a shit, right? Um, they came out with something called Medical. It's like really like tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, uh, type, type humor, like really, really, really white liberal humor. And part, part of it was funny. But, oh my god, there's like a global pandemic, and this is before the, the lockdown starts. It's two months before COVID-1984 started. And it's like, but then there's this evil plot. It's just like, really, they're doing that because the CDC wants more money. So they have, they're better prepared for the real pandemic. And I was like, Okay, well, the new American territory quarter has, for American Samoa on the back of it, has a bat, and you just came out with this show, and now we're in a lockdown for a quote-unquote bat virus, so, I'm sure it's nothing, though, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure it's just a gigantic coincidence, a purely elaborate ruse, just, just, yep. just an incredible circumstance in the universe, you know? It, it just it just fell in line with each other. It it was organic. It was you know super organic. Like sometimes so, stars just align when you're at the press juicery. You know you accidentally get a coupon for two for three, two for three dollars of just green juice that when you think will make you lose weight, but then you'll gain it all back when you start eating real food. The stars just align, man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I was standing in the juice bar and I was like, oh my god. My boyfriend's going to think I'm so fucking fat. And here we are. Here we are. It's 2021 now. That's it. Right there. That was a catalyst to everything. The dude standing in a juice bar paying for it with a bat quarter. <laughs> How can, you know, when you mentioned dark humor, there it is. How can something be so funny and so grim? You just, you just, you just sew that right in there and then the podcast. It's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> but, I mean, so, okay, so. So with Mr. Robot, okay, so obviously I don't like throwing out the buzzwords because I okay, I have seen some like really, really right just 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 bring up some things. I'm like, dude, okay, I'm really not seeing how you got from point A to point B there, okay? I'm just not, you know. But to keep to keep our feet on the ground, it's just like, yeah, there are plenty of programs that, that push agendas because the people who own these studios are the same people who own other interests tied to set agendas, right? It's, it's, it's when you follow money trails, a lot of things become much clearer. It's like, well, why are they saying this? Oh, they invested this much money in this. That makes sense. Okay, cool. Why does Al Gore suddenly care about the environment when his carbon footprint is one of the largest in the world for any individual? Oh, he just invested millions in green technology. Okay, that makes sense. Like, it's it's, it's really not that hard to figure out. Um, but, like, so the thing with Mr. Rowe, the reason I was surprised to put it on is it wasn't quote-unquote predictive programming. Like, they said what, what some of the goals of these people are. 
but they didn't have like a grand plan orchestrated. They had like the people actually winning in the end. But that was in season four, and season four was delayed, and they put it on at a weird time. And I was like, oh. you didn't know what season four was gonna be, did you? But you still committed to the contract. Oh. Bet you have egg on your face now. So I, I'm surprised that 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 show was on. And Elliot, well, isn't, isn't it weird that we find ourselves in? And you mentioned like that that exact timeline of 2020. So. Um, we haven't been like plugged in as far as like a normal family where we're just like, oh yeah, we'll watch Netflix and we'll do this. But like we watch shows off and on all the way up until 2020. You know, we're just kind of meh, watch show if we have time, you know, me and my wife, whatever. And then like I saw this coming in 2017 when I started this and I was like, oh, this is getting really bad. We'll just see how it plays out. And then, you know, into 2019, 2020 happened. Yeah. And I was like, okay. We're canceling everything. Everyone's going woke. And of course, of course, my wife was like, well, like, I mean, you know, we'll see. Like, I'm not sure. She, she's got a really kind heart and she's super giving. She's like, no, let's just see how it goes. I'm like, no, I'm telling you right now, we're canceling everything. You know, and fast forward seven or eight months after that, she's like, oh, my God, fuck all of these people. I'm like, yeah. So it's, really, it's weird to see and to hear you say that. That I know we're not the only men and we're not the only families, you know, and et cetera. That between January to March, April of 2020, we're like, whoa, wait a second, hold yeah. on a second. And, and those people just don't have a voice. They don't have an outlet. They're just they're just trying to get by and survive this constant onslaught. And also to your point about like Netflix releasing shows. Do you remember when they were to Waco? Like, oh, were yeah. You, were you, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I remember the, that. Possible or the best timing possible, depending on who was pulling the strings at, at Netflix that day. They yeah. released Waco and they're like, oh, by the way. And then the news came out of all this shit. And everybody's like, wait, Waco's on and this is happening? Oh, my God. It's like they want to create the fire, which I'm totally okay with. But they want to reap from it as well, which I'm not okay with. Yeah, like, I'm all, ab- I'm all about like, burn it to the fucking ground. Go ahead, go ahead. Clearly, this system sucks. Like, just, just let it go. Just, just let it go. Like, capitalism works. This ish democracy works for a bit, but we can rebuild it, and we'll try again. And maybe you guys will finally realize, like, oh, you're not oppressed. No, even, even the people who live below the poverty line in this country have refrigerators and this is 80 percent. this is the 80 percent line who live below the poverty line have refrigerators microwaves a house a running car like that is more than the actual poverty line over the entire planet who has to walk five miles for water like get the fuck over it i'm so oppressed you're a piece of shit shut up like just go do something yeah fuck tired of it man dude when it like i couldn't agree more i mean I'm of two minds. Like being being a practicing Orthodox Christian, this, this, this is this is why I brought Mr. Robot out the beginning. You know, he goes, he's like this walking contradiction because he's like he's so cynical about the state of man, but he's also sympathetic because he wants them to be better. Like he has love for them. But I'm like, and that, that that's 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 the balance. Like I think men need to, especially now. I was having this conversation with Will on his podcast with Will Spencer, listeners, uh, the Renaissance of Men podcast. Um, that 
we as men now who kind of know what's up and there are a lot of men sort of figuring out like my best friend is figuring out what's up I'm like bro i literally told you this like two years ago okay and he's like i thought you were a lunatic i'm like why and he's like arthur to be fair you were the guy at three in the morning who was screaming at yourself in the mirror at the gym saying the only person who can destroy you is you i actually questioned whether or not i could be your friend at that point i was like all right that's fair but like Look, you, now you know I'm right, and I'm not saying that to me. I told you so. I'm just saying that I'm, at least you know. You know what I mean? At least you know what's going on, so you can better prepare, or you can just keep your sanity, or do whatever, do what you will, right? But I was saying to Will that people are of men within this renaissance of men that's very clearly happening. You're gonna have people coming to people like us who have been ahead of the curve, knowing what's up, right? I'm not, I'm not like at the beginning of the curve. There are people who like predict like seven years in advance this is gonna happen, like Tom Clancy, right? Like a lot of new players. Um, I'm not claiming to be this Nostradamus, but I have been ahead of the curve. And so people like you and I, it's like, I think instead of being like, yeah, suck on that bitch, you're too busy drinking IPAs. It's like, no, it's like, we should probably be gracious hosts. You know what I mean? We really, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, well, it's like, welcome, welcome to sanity, man. It's good to have you back. You know, that's um, what I'm talking about. That nice, that nice basket weave for them to fall into. Hey, here you are. We're here to tell you something whether it's the truth or whether how to get back up and uh it's not gonna be pretty but we need to be able to do it together because you're here now there's no there's no going back you're only looking forward you're not going that direction you're not going backwards there's only looking forward and uh it's probably not going to be pretty however this pans out and that's okay as long as you are mentally physically financially stable prepared to endure that you are going to be fine. You are going to be cheese. I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And it's... I mean, you, you're, dude, you're, you're seeing television... Actually, you're, I was talking to my father about this. Um, I'm, start, I'm starting, actually... I mentioned this in my latest... My, my first uh, announcements and Ask Me Anything podcast where my father and I have a lot of, like, really... I don't want to be like high level conversations, right? Like I don't want to be like this yep sort of man in a suit type guy who just thinks he's high society, you know. But like just just conversations that are deeply stimulating and enriching and cover a lot of topics. And we're sort of thinking at ten thousand feet, but we're also trying to apply it to day to day life in the weeds. So I announced like a, a, pot, a subsection of this podcast that'll be coming out soon, part of the, the Blood and Rain podcast called "Conversations with My Father." Um, but him and I were talking about this. Like one of the conversations was that we're noticing in television. Like now we're seeing traditional values again, and we're seeing people people saying grace at the table like, on Netflix. I was like, "Huh? Like what's going on?" Like, <laughs> and okay, we're getting you know, fucking we're getting super controversial. Like this this is the kind of thing where I wish I had like bought on this kind of poor for myself can't I'm saying this my podcast, but you are seeing right now the controls shatter. So you're seeing a power, you're seeing a power vacuum. No yes, one's watching. It's not the pendulum anymore. It's the pendulum plus pandering at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And everyone knows they were wrong about something. Like, dude, like, I work at bars in San Francisco, and I need to keep my mask on, but if you're seated at a table, you can have your mask off. But if my bandana slips a bit, I'm like, Arthur, you gotta put your mask back up. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Does, does, does COVID-1984 only live in this world? What about short people? 
We're, we're like short people, they never get hit with COVID if they stand up, they never need to wear a mask. Explain it to me. Like, yeah, man, like, I know, but like, you know, like, we, you know, bullshit, bullshit, like, you know, still need to wear a mask, you know, it's just for everyone's safety. And I'm just like, no, it's for everyone's elude, deluded peace of mind. I'm going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this podcast on really quick and I'm going to interview you for a second. Please do. This is <clears throat> this Go for it. What, what is a man like you? And I mean, man, capital M, man. No, because there's a difference, right? You know, you know, they do it in politics. You know, little D and capital D, Democrat, blah blah blah, right? Stroke the cock. So, what is a capital M man doing, like you, working in a bar? Like, tell me, what what is it? Like, give me, you get no, and don't don't scoff at it. You got to give it to me. What is it? All right, you know, I'm 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 not scoffing. I'm just, I've had this conversation with people in bars, so. I'll give, I'll, give, I'll give you a little background and answer every detail and aspect of that question. Wait, I don't want to be repeating questions. Have your listeners heard this before? No. No, they have not. Here we go. Full sand. I did not expect this to happen. Okay, I love it. I love it. Um, so, okay. I'll, I'll get into as many details that I'm at liberty to share because some of the, some of the stories involve other people, and I, it's not my place to disclose their story, basically. But I'll, I'll, I'll say as much as I can. I had this question at the, the bar I started my training at, right? Craft, high volume craft cocktail bar next to blank sports venue. I won't say which one. Um, Everyone behind that bar was either like, with the exception of the girl bartenders, who were badass bartenders. Like, could bartend most guys under the table. And I don't say that to be off limits. Like, they just could. They just, they, they had that skill level. But all the guys behind the bar either came from some kind of martial arts background or military background. So, but I was starting to stand above the rest in terms of work ethic, in terms of decision making, in terms of they, they saw my martial arts ability, they heard me sing. They, they saw some of the stuff that I wrote. They knew I went to an active school in England. And they said, what are you doing here? And I was like, so like you, I've made a lot of decisions where who are you to tell me to do that? I'm going to do this on my own. And if I fall face first, that's fine. I can live with that. And I have made every mistake in the book in multiple cities in multiple countries. Um, and for all you listeners, you know, yeah, it's called the cumulative failure. It's like you're supposed to fail frequently. No one, no one gets it in the first few tries, and if they if they do, then it's only going to be that that could be an isolated incident. And then they go back to just a cumulative failure. They'll eventually find some some space of the cumulative failure, and that's that's signs of progress. That means you're actually leading towards a success. So that that's that's a that's a clarification for the listener. The first thing where I was really, and I mentioned this, I mentioned this on my Kurt Cobain post, and I mentioned this with the podcast I recorded uh, today with the symposium. I said, my first thing where I was really like double birds up, like I'm doing it my way, was I was supposed to be a quarterback. When I was 12, 13 years old, I could throw 50 plus yards. Like at one, po- one point, I threw a 60 yard pass as a, as a prepubescent boy. Like I had an arm. And so I was like, my, my parents had that sentence, huh? Arthur's going to be the quarterback. He's probably going to play soccer too. And I grew up singing and acting. So Andy's going to do the music. He's going to do the spring musical here after the football season. He's just going to be this 
storybook thing. Nope. I got to said Catholic school full of trust fund babies. And I didn't even try out for quarterback because I took two looks. I, I, I guarantee you I could have had the starting spot for, for four years, most likely for varsity. Having learned the offense, having learned the playbook, maybe I needed to drink some more muscle milk and put some more muscle on. Yeah, I was still, I was still like, I hadn't really hit puberty until like halfway through my freshman year. I was a late bloomer in that regard. A lot of guys are on hormones and all this shit that they feed the kids nowadays. My, my mom was very sure that she only fed me organics and whatnot. And I eventually grew up and I eventually got really fast. And so I got my athleticism later. But I, um, I looked around. I looked around all the trust fund babies, and I was like, I don't know if I can play this part. I can, do, I can do the football thing, but I can't do the being placed in a box of everyone else thing. I can't do the, I listen to blank music and have this level of conversation. Like, I was into studying World War One in depth. I was into Russian literature. I was into listening to, oh, you're listening to T.I. and whatever the fuck was big in 2008. I was like, yeah, I'm actually busy listening to Tool, Vampire Weekend, it just came out, workout oversaturated, listen to Tool, Vampire Weekend, um, Nine Inch Nails, first couple Radiohead albums, was listening to Stone Temple Pilots, was listening to really like, weird one-off indie bands that I can't even remember at this point in time, and I was oh, like, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> Not old, stop it. And I just couldn't play the part. I didn't want to do it. And I probably would have had a better time in high school if I would have just, you know, played the quarterback and, you know, would have just turned into this shallow douchebag, really, who hung out with kids who were handed Gucci belts at 14 years old. But I just didn't. And then I almost got kicked out of high school for getting into too many fights. So I left before they could kick me out. Um, the kicker was when I was a track athlete, I got – into a brawl, not into a brawl, I got into a fight. I ran the 800 meter, and I was one of two guys from my school to step on the line for the 800 meter. And 20 of the other guys stepped on the line, not, not 20, 12, okay? It, it, it seemed like 20. It was like 10 or 12 guys in the line. One guy looks at me and he says, we're gonna box you in. And I look at him with like a twitch in my eye and I say, that's nice. And the gun goes off and they, they, they boxed me in and because I, I was sleeping at, at the wheel, basically, when the gun goes off. And I try to get through the box, and I get a spike to the leg from someone's spikes. I was like, fuck. And so then I try again, and I swim through the box. At the end of the first lap, I, be, I passed their guy in second. And at the end of the right, – right at the final 100 meter, I sprinted to, to win the race. And I get – I'm back on the turf. I get a push from behind. And he says, why didn't you stay in the box, bitch? And I was like, are you serious? So I warned him. Fuck your box, bitch. <laughs> um, I, uh, I front kicked him in the chest, and he still had just his track uniform on. But I still had my spikes on. So he started bleeding, and I was like, okay. So I go find my friend who's a junior with a car. And I come up to him like, hey, man, we got to go. And he's like, what are you talking about, man? I'm running the two mile. I'm like, no one gives a fuck about the two mile. We got to go. And he's just like, what happened? I'm like, see that guy over there? I need to go. And he's like, okay, let's go. And that was kind of the kicker where it's like words started to seriously get around. And so I left that school before I, before I could get kicked out. 
I, 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 I'm 20 minutes into your podcast before I had to go to work. I, I, uh, I graduated the day of walking with a 1.8. So when you were like, I had a 4.2, I'm like, God damn. <laughs> 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 <He's just best. laughs> yeah, who am I talking to? Mr. Davis. It's, it's the same. Uh, I had a very similar kind of structure as you did. I got in fights in high school. I did sports in high school. I hung out with a lot of the a lot of the crowds and I realized that I don't it's not that I don't it's that I can't actually meld brains with those people like I, I can't fully dive in to to whatever they're swimming in I, I can't do it I can dip my toes and I can be amicable and I can play the part and I was in I was in drama classes like you were I played sports like you did like it yeah. we're very much the same in that regard and I just realized like no I'm I, I'm a lot darker I'm a lot meaner and like I just be, because I know all those you know salty and dark things about myself like I'm I, I can't really be around you people in a in a normal conversational setting because I'm I'm gonna say things that you're gonna fucking hate. And yeah. at an early age I understood that I was okay with that. I, I was I was on board with it. I'm I'm gonna get in trouble for it. I'm gonna have people get mad about it. I'm probably gonna get in physical altercations because of it, which I did. I did early on in my twenties because if I like I, I took that stance, you know, I, I swallowed my own pill with that. Like, no, I'm, I'm going to stand for what I am and for what I'm going to say. And if you don't like it, well, you don't like it. Like either yeah. something happens because of it or it doesn't. And that's the whole thing about this whole culture of people being offended and, you know, getting triggered and all this stuff. It's like, oh, cool, you're offended. What happened? Oh, nothing. Great. Move on unless you're unless you're gonna do something about it and then we have that battle to fight yeah and i'm still gonna win that battle too so probably just move on yeah like it's it's it, it's so just argumentative just fucking screech and yell and it's gotten to the point now where there's such a cultural divide that there there is no having that conversation there is no and I, I spoke about this well too. There, there is no middle ground anymore. It's been eroded, purposefully. Yeah. And so, so, you know, having having that that man's chip on a shoulder thing nowadays is very rare. And I wish more dudes had it. I really do. I, w- I wish that when I, because I drive, just aggressively. I drive because that's my fucking road, right? Like that. That's how yeah. I drive. And I wished more people drove like that because then I would have a challenge like, oh shit, like, oh, no, this dude's on my ass or this dude's coming in the lane or this, you know, whatever it is. Like, and it's just that simple thing. That's a, that's a horrible analogy because obviously people could die in vehicle wrecks, but <laughs> having, having that chip on your shoulder, like, no, this is mine. This is what I'm about. This is the path that I'm on. Get the fuck out of my way or get on board. Period. Yeah. The end. So why are you working at a bar? So to continue that, to continue that, uh, that long-winded story. I mean, I, I have very few short stories. I thought. Um, so I'd start doing the drama thing, 
And I got a really, really solid score in my ACT. I actually got a 34 in my ACT. So, test score was a check mark. Crushed my college auditions for for college acting program in the United States. So, New York University, Fordham, Boston University, Emerson, Chapman, USC, and Miami. Miami and... Excuse me. Miami and Fordham looked like they were going to throw a lot of money my way, so I'd be able to go, like not for free, but a heavily discounted rate. And they 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 said as much too. My auditions for those schools lasted about twenty five minutes, which is very very long for these college auditions. Um, and then I get the the letters. I got all rejections. Not and I call up the drama departments. Not not saying hey what the fuck, but saying. You guys mentioned money, like this is the exact opposite. You know, like your grades were just too low. Like we had our hands tied. Like no matter how good you are at acting, like they're really upping the standards academically, no matter what you do. And I was just like, let me ask you something. If I was a quarterback, I'm like, well, that's a whole different story because there's a too much money in, in NCAA sports. I'm like, mm, not enough money in drama and in college drama, I guess. All right. So I was pretty angry. I was very angry, actually. And then, by the grace of God, my high school was invited to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is the biggest theater festival in the world. But my parents didn't really have $6,000 burning a hole in their pocket for me to go, so I didn't, I didn't do it. Then I call a friend of mine, and he basically, long story short, he was the lead. He told me for reasons I can't, better his, I can't disclose, he had to back out, and he was the lead. It was Shakespeare production, and I, I called my high school director, I'm graduated at this point, I say, hey, heard so-and-so is out, I know you need to leave, I'm good with Shakespeare, I have very quick capacity for memory, any way I can go, let me know. They had, the, the theater program was so good that they had a lot of donors, they donated money for me to go, and... I learned the role in about a day and a half, like a lead Shakespeare role, so 200 plus lines. And I went and I found that the level of talent, not not, not necessarily the level of talent, but the level of technique and how long the tradition of acting had been there in the United Kingdom. And I was on the way there, we got to see shows in London, we got to see shows at the Royal Shakespeare Company in Stratford upon Avon. And so, and I'm looking around like these people are just better than us. Like they, they just have a higher level of discipline. They have a higher standard of technique. You're in the circus now. Like you're, you're there. Oh yeah. And I was, I was, I didn't feel naked. I felt like, all right, this is more where I need to be, honestly. And I, I, I get home, and I have a pretty nasty come down from that. I was just like, I want to be living life over there. I want to be there, and I want to be. be you, you'd see British actors, like I, I don't know how much, how much people pay attention to these kinds of things because you know my my eyes my 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 senses are tuned to this now. But the amount of American roles that you find out that are actually British actors just do some digging. Like they just come over here and take all the roles because they they actually the way the British drama schools teach accents is they teach you the international phonetic alphabet. 
and they literally map out what the international phonetic alphabet and accent. So they have like a they have mathematics for accents basically. And I was like, I want to be over there, and I want to be this. This is this is one of my chips on the shoulder type thing. I want to do something. I want to hang with the best to be the best. I want to be the American who goes over there and is getting cast in the highest level of British stage. The state, like film is great. If I'm at the highest level of British stage as an American, that means it did the daggone thing. Plain and simple. Um, so when I started community college, my, my gap year, I found out about British drama schools. I'm like, oh, these are conservatory schools. So they don't care if I had an F in every class. That if, As long as I could say the Shakespeare pretty, basically, I'm in. Right? And I went to very, very, very good British drama school. I won't say which one, because for the obvious reasons. But I, uh, I went over there. And I was over the moon. I met my current fiance. That's why I started Muay Thai. And if I didn't have to, I had to leave for reasons that I'm, I'm not allowed to close. That, that, that's the kind of, the, the, big, the big juicy part is sort of the reason that's the thing I can't disclose, unfortunately. Um, but I had to leave England after a year. And that was absolutely devastating because I had fallen in love with the city of London. And I actually fell in love with it when I was five years old. I was in a layover, on, an overnight layover on the way back from visiting family in Spain. And my mother says to me, she says, all right, Arthur, we're going to do a lot of walking, okay? It's just, you know, I was like, I don't care as long as I can get on a double-decker bus. My, my parents are like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and I fucking loved London. I walked around. I just soaked it all in. I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is this is buzzing. This is just larger than life. And I had that affinity again, and it was fully realized. Like, I was I was over the moon. I'm a, I'm a more sports ball, guys. I've been a Chelsea fan since I was eight years old, before they became a rich team. What's wrong? Talk to me. No, you you just, you, you continue. We'll, we'll get to that later. Um... But, but I'm in the UK, I'm in London, I'm doing Muay Thai, and if I didn't have to leave, I would have had, like, I would have probably been still, I, I, would, I would still be acting, and I'd probably have my pro card as a Muay Thai fighter, and I'd probably already be married. So that was, like, the biggest setback in my life. And I had to come home, and I was doing the Silicon Valley thing, and... But I, I had fallen in love with Muay Thai so much that I, 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 I was at a point where I was like, I was, this is when I was doing my monk mode thing. It's my, oof, man, I'm having me go into detail that I swear I won't get into. But I'll, I'll, I'll gloss over that detail and I'll say, I, uh, I went into my monk mode phase for four years and I was celibate by choice, you know, just, and in my mind, like, I left the Silicon Valley world to pursue fighting, right? In my mind, it's just me. It's just Arthur. It's not anybody else. I'm not going to be married, right? I'm not going to have kids. And I said, what's the thing that I love to do most? And really, like, it's, I love to write and I love to fight. I love martial arts. I love writing. And I, I, I had this notion in high school, too, when I was in the school that I got, was about to get out of. I said, if I can win a Nobel Prize in literature and an Olympic gold medal in the 800 meter, 
that's a pretty high mark of skill mastery there. One creative of the mind, one physical, and doubling your discipline. I was like, that's 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 a pretty good benchmark for, for me. And you know, then I went back to acting because that was a two-year gap where I wasn't acting, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be an Oscar award winner and Olivier award winner and a Tony award winner. And it's not about the shine. It's not about the trophies. It, that just means to me, like I reached the pinnacle of my craft. It's it's a very subtle difference. Like I don't want prestige. I don't want people looking at me. I don't want to be the center of attention. Really. But I want my work to be so. I want it to be at the highest level that it can't be ignored. The work itself, not myself. It's a subtle difference. And. You know, I sort of decided I was like almost in this no man's land thing. And this is when I came to the Orthodox Church around this time, too. And I said, I'm just going to pursue fighting. And I know since I'm going to give it everything I have, that I'm going to make it. And as far as I'm concerned, it encounters at the bar. So I went into the bar industry to pay for... This, 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 there's some overlap with this with my first episode, but whatever. It's been a while for those of you who need to recap, I guess. Um, I got it. I started as a bouncer, and then I became a barback and became a bartender. And the reason why that worked for me is because I could train during the day and I could work at night, and I didn't need to do the nine to five Silicon Valley marketing, sales, account management thing, right? And then. You know, I was I was in a pretty good space at that point. I was growing big time. I was consistently in the Orthodox Church. My strength standards skyrocketed. My endurance standards skyrocketed. My mental toughness standards grew borderline just insane. Like, and I don't mean that as in like, bro, sick. I mean like, just if I had a normal conversation with someone, like this guy's like, like I said, my best friend literally thought I was turning into a lunatic because of just the level of mental toughness. Like, I'm gonna get off. The, I'm gonna get off the bar ship at 3.15. I'm going to go to Denny's. I'm going to order two everyday value slips. I'm going to scarf them down before they even bring the utensils. I'm going to pay in cash. I'm going to get an Uber to the gym, and I'm going to destroy myself from 4 to 6.30. I'm going to go to sleep at 7. I'm going to wake up at 12.30. and I'm sorry, I'm going to wake up at 1, and I'm going to have about 7 hours till I need to be back to the bar again. So what am I going to do? I'm going to train. That's where it was at. And I left it. And in my mind, you know, <laughs> what do you, are, are, are you, do you, have a, do you have like a day off? I'm like, oh no, I don't. Are you sure? I mean, I do, but I spend it either writing or training. Well, like maybe. Yeah, I do, but it's not for you. Exactly. <laughs> it's like maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we could, maybe we could do something sometime. Uh, probably not going to happen, honestly. Really? Like, I, I think you'd be surprised. I'm like, I think you'd be surprised. <laughs> and the, I was, and I, I, I had one direct conversation with one, with one girl who was like very much pursuing me. Who was a Christian, very beautiful girl. But I said to her, "You're a great girl. All right, you need that Chad Christian husband who's out there for you. I am not that guy. I am not going to make time for you. I am not going to check in and see how you are." I'm going to be staring at myself in the mirror wondering why I'm not jumping rope fast enough, even though I haven't gotten enough sleep. I am not going to think about you. That's just where I'm at. I'm not saying this to be rude. I'm not saying this as a mind game. I'm not saying this as a way of getting, like, 
really securing you in the long run with the red pill, which I didn't even know what that was at this time. I just genuinely did not, like, I was like, I am not what you were looking for. Like, that that's what it was. And I was really, like, I remember uh, there's a Crystal Castle song called Not In Love, with, which the ex- with the exception of my fiance, like, at, at my given circumstances at that point, because I didn't think my fiance and I would, uh, yeah. Um, I was like sort of my anthem was like not in love by Crystal Castles. I was like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to go to the gym and keep going to the gym and keep reading and keep going to church. And I, I was really happy with it. And I said, said to myself, I'm going to do this until the wheels come off. And honestly, I hope, I hope that in my final title fight, I'm like 40, 41, like I really did the dad come thing, right? I've reached that tactical maestro level of, of technique and strategy and ring generalship. I'll have that one final war. Like, I used to bitch about this to, like, this is a high-volume craft cocktail bar. I worked on, I'm shifting gears all over the place, guys. I'm sorry. But I used to bitch about circumstances with uh, with my coworkers at this bar that I worked at. It's a really high-volume craft cocktail bar. You're expected to make, like, ten craft cocktails at a time and pour a couple Lagunitas and pour some Jack and Cokes. And you might have to suplex someone out the door. It was awesome. It was super high stress, and I couldn't get it out. And when we'd have these rushes, I would be like, I wanted every day to be the Cinco de Mayo rush. I wanted every day to be the St. Patty's Day rush. And I used to say, say again. I said, just not the Mother's Day rush. Oh no, that we're not even going to get into that. Okay, I, I don't work. I'm working brunch for some reason now, and I always swore I'd never work brunch. But I said to these guys. I was like, I would bitch, I'm like, maybe one day behind this bar I'll get the war I always wanted. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I um, I fantasize about that. I was like, my final fight will be this absolute war. And I'll win narrowly. But I won't make it out of the hospital. That was, that was, the, that was the goal. And I said, if that doesn't happen, if I survive, I'll be a coach, I'll be a writer, I might even be a full-on Orthodox monk. Like, I was gen- genuinely considering that. Some, some, some people in my church that come up and like, Arthur, have you considered, like, being, like, an ascetic like, monk? And I actually did, excuse me, I did the whole, I did a whole podcast about green martyrdom, which is martyrdom through labor. Like, there's martyrdom through death, martyrdom, you know, just being a, being just a regular monk, being a nun. And there's a green martyrdom, martyrdom through labor, which I'm sure you can certainly resonate with. Um, but me being not being the husband guy, like I was the best man at a, I was the best man at a wedding, and I realized that I wasn't the husband guy at this point. And that's changed since developments of my fiance. I've completely changed. Um, but well, no, that's important. That, that's important. Like we're gonna pause right there. Like what what led you? Because the, the right there, that's a humongous shift, right? Yeah. Like you have you have the I'm not a husband guy to I'm a husband guy. That gap is significant. That's yeah. a very that's a very big transformative thing. And so like for me that that gap that gap happened when like me and my wife have been together for twelve years now. We've been together for twelve and we've been married for I think seven. Wow. So we got we got married in twenty fifteen. And just little, just tiny little snippet backstory. I knew I told her to her face, and she agreed. Within three weeks of us knowing each other, we're gonna get married. 
Wow. Like that that's how it that's how extreme and volatile our relationship was. Like that that's that's not super healthy for whoever's listening to this. Like three weeks is not a long time. I would say like six to eight months if you're like, damn, that that's this is who I want to be with. That's that's what we should do. We should get married and do this. That's okay, right? If the love is really strong. Like we were just on fire just on fire and within three weeks it was like i'm marrying you and she was like yeah that's probably a good idea and here we are 12 years later that's probably a good idea huh? and then we made a baby so like that that gap between i'm not a husband guy to where all of a sudden i am a husband guy there there's so many you know little intricacies in there that that, that people need to understand but they're also very personal I, I think that you talking about those, your transition to that probably would help a lot of people because I've talked about mine. Let's hear it. I, I want to hear it. Like what, what got you between nope and okay, I should probably get married. Okay. Um, this yeah, this turned around on you, didn't it? You know, no, it, this is this is this is good because you're actually asking me about the next stage of the story of why I'm working in a fucking bar. Um, <laughs> so, KJ says words. KJ says words. <laughs> Blood and Rain podcast listeners listen to KJ saying saying words. Um, okay. All right. It's all going out of idea. Well, not out there. Whatever. Right. I met my fiance in drama school. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to do this with as little details as possible because I'm trying to shield her from things. I'm, I'm trying to do this surgically, and I'll, I'll get the major points across. I met my fiance in drama school. I did not go to drama school to meet women. All right. A lot a lot of guys did. A lot of guys saw that as a fringe benefit. All right. She's rock. Yeah. She's rock. Yeah, and I, I really wasn't there to do that. Like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a red, I'm a hot-blooded male, you know, plain and simple. But I was just, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here to I'm here to work. You know, I'm here to be the best actor I can be. I'm here to be one of the all-time greats. Those are some big goals. It takes some big work, plain and simple. I dated this one. I dated this one. I, 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 my, my current fiance caught my eye. First day, like first day I saw her, I was like, "Who is that? Fucking gorgeous, tall, striking, blonde, like borderline Slavic blonde-looking woman with these piercing green, like piercing hazel eyes." Just like, and we, we in drama school, we were all blacks, so and she's like, well, "She's wearing a turtleneck, and that looks extra sexy on her." She has like a certain strut to her. I'm like, "Ooh." That's a whole lot of woman right there. Like, Damn. And I was like, and I'm pretty young at this time. And I'm like, man, that's, that's, that's ain't no high school little girl, high school little girl thing anymore. Like that's, that's a woman with a capital W right there. And I was, you know, I was taken aback, but you know, all right. She's for circumstances I won't get into. I didn't immediately pursue that. All right. I got into a relationship with this other girl who sought me out, um, and I didn't really want to be in that relationship. 
right? But she was also she was she was very, she was very pretty. This other girl, and I th- she looked like she was gonna be more. <laughs> this sounds terrible, but she looks like she looked like she was gonna be more interesting and more intelligent than she was. And then I found out that she wasn't. Okay, we're we're sitting down at a coffee shop, and I'm like, I'm looking at her, I'm like, you know, you're pretty, you're, you're pretty beautiful, I guess. I'm like, let's, 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 let's try to let's try to dive into it. What more music do you listen to? She's like, no, no, wait, you can be real. You can be raw with me. It's fine. It's fine. Each thing I asked her got progressively worse. I said, what, what music do you listen to? She said, Vampire Weekend. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. Good band. Nice. Nice. Came out with the third album. Cool. Michael Buble. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. And I his best song's a cover, he's kind of a douche, but he's a good vocalist, whatever. Um, the Glee soundtrack, I was like, whoa, okay, let's take it a swift nosedive. Nice, all right. <laughs> you know what, let's, 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 let's talk about films. All right, let's talk about films. Starts off strong, just the, um, the Prestige, I was like, oh, great film, phenomenal film. Great acting, great, great direction, um, great, great script. Um, Love Actually, and I was like, oh, yeah, all right, okay, well, all right, it's a Christmas movie, but you know, it's, it's pretty terrible, and it's really not, actually not romantic at all, but okay. Um, um, the Holiday, and I was like, wow, okay, it's just, just you know, it's just layers of, like, starting off strong and just getting worse and worse, and that happened with books and other things, and this girl was just, she was raised to be this princess, and she was really innocent. I met her parents like the next day and it came to the point where in this microscope, like, oh, Arthur, that big American dude broke little, uh, let's call her Sylvia. Okay. Broke little Sylvia's heart. He's an asshole. And I didn't want to stain my day-to-day working environment with something as intimate as acting with breaking up with their so I did what most 19-year-olds would do and fake the fucking relationship. <laughs> and I, KJ, I played Prince Charming to a T like it was a homework assignment. I wore things that I have not worn since. I was wearing cable knit fucking sweaters and I had, I was really clean. Oh, you, went, you went full London. Went full London, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, went full London. Right. Um, and I, I was so fucking miserable and I had no clue because I was, I, I actually got so deep into this part that I was playing because I'm at drama school in tandem with faking a relationship to save my working environment in tandem with, with chick sand, basically. Not to get crass, but like just, that's what happened. And she finally woke up with me saying, because apparently I couldn't hide being this intense. And she says, I just, I just don't think I'm the girl for you, you know. You're really, really intense, and I'm like, I can't turn that off. Okay, so this is, this is great. But then I had this initial like reaction afterwards. I say, wait a second, you were breaking up with me? Like you suck. <laughs> like, and I mean, I was really happy about it. And then my current fiance, she started chatting me up, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm definitely going after this girl now, because this, this is this is this is the chick I actually would like to be with. Like this is, you ask me the prototype for a woman: intelligence, looks, empathy, artistry, care, 
femininity just oh god like just checks every box and I was like hey what the fuck like why not so I got out of school earlier than she did on a Friday so I went to Muay Thai I have a two hour Muay Thai session I have a strength session I get some food had some new threads I'm like I am feeling good I'm looking good let's let's let's, let's go on I'm gonna walk out of this gym with a boner I tell you yeah. what <laughs> swing a ding ding yeah <laughs> and so I was like, I'm gonna go find this girl, and I'm gonna go take her to a bar. I'm like fuck it. And so I I come back, you know. Let let's again. Jonathan West does the same thing with his wife, and I think it's smart because social media can get weird. I'm gonna call my fiance. What's what's something cheeky? Um, let's call her Alexis. No, we're gonna we're, no, we're gonna call her Celeste. Yeah, we're gonna call her Celeste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She sounds like a super. Continue. Oh, 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 yeah, big time. She is. She is. <laughs> and I, I go back to drama school after my Muay Thai session, and I ask for you. Know, I'm looking for Celeste. I walk up the stairs, and there she is sitting there in her turtleneck and everything with some other people from her course. And she's like, oh, Arthur, you came back. And I was like, yeah, 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 you came back. And she's just like, we're going to go see this play. And I'm not going to say what the name of the play was. And I was like, do you want to come with us? And I was just like, yeah, you know. And she, she, was, she was actually driving in London for some reason. I was like, who fucking lunatic? Like, it's a parking lot. Um, and she's just like, I'm actually going to drive us over there if you want to get a ride. I was just like, uh, yeah, you know, I would love a ride. I would absolutely love a ride. Can't say I know how to drive on this side of the road. Um, so we, 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 get to this, we get to this bar. Right, and I actually was talking to this other girl. Brief. Okay, so when I broke up with that other girl, when that other girl broke up with me, actually, which I still cannot believe. Because anyway, um, she said, I, "So I made a promise to myself that I could not date like without being able to have a conversation with the girl. Like some guys can, some guys can have that trophy wife, or you know, some guys have this. Some of these like fertile like." young, impressionable, fertile girls so I can have, like, 12 babies and they can have no opinions of their own. And, like, you know. Those aren't men. Continue. Yeah, dude, it's 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 getting a little weird. I'm not going to lie. Um, and so I, I, was, I was talking to this other girl who was actually Calvin Kleinhoff, and after one conversation with her, I was just like, I can't fucking do this. <laughs> like, I cannot, I cannot fake another relationship. So this girl, that Calvin Klein model, she was actually working at this bar for some reason. She sees me, and she gives me a wink. I'm like, oh, shit, I need to put that to bed, too. A buddy of mine comes up to me. He's at the same bar that Celeste and all her friends and I went to before going seeing this play, this school play. He says, oh, you're here with Celeste? And I was just like, yeah. And he's like, what happened to Sarah? And I was just like, oh, Sarah has a wet blanket personality, so that's not going to work out. Um, And... He's like, all right. And so I'm at the bar. It's just a regular pub. And Celeste comes up to the bar. And she says, so what are you going to order? And I was just like, you know, it's a damn shame you can't get a decent cocktail at this bar. And she says, do you know you get a decent cocktail? And I was just like, you know what? Actually, I do. And I'm going to go over there right now if you want to come with me. And she says, what about the play? And I was like, it's... It's Ariana speaking in a California accent. You and I both know this is going to suck. And she says, 
Oh, I can't just leave everyone. I drove them. Look, I'm going to go to the bar. If you want to come with me, you can go right ahead. And then she comes with me to the bar. We sit down at this, this, this tall table. We talk. We talk and we talk and we talk and we talk. We flirt and we flirt and we make eye contact on stuff. She goes to the restroom. And this is a key moment. I don't have this time where I breathe out and say, oh, Jesus Christ, okay, check my phone. Like, oh, this is just, I don't know how I'm, like, just faking this and is this how all girls talk? Maybe this is just how it is and it just sucks. No, she went to the restroom and nothing changed. I was just myself. I was able to speak fully myself. And she was able to hang. She was able to have this stimulating conversation. She was able to have this this intensity, this artistry in the way she spoke, this intelligence, this wit. Mm. And when she came back, they actually moved us to a smaller table because apparently someone had reserved the table that we were at, you know, for a certain time. And her and I, I make her laugh. And her and I both sort of lean in. Right, and then we both like our head, our foreheads are touching. We both go in for a kiss at the same time, and after that, I was like, "Yeah, damn, this is now what I came here. Uh, this is now what I came to drama school for." But here I am, and she says to me, I- "On the inside, honestly, I'm I'm absolutely over the moon. I feel like I'm feel like I'm walking up on some clouds, honestly." And but on the outside, I'm all stoic. Hey man, you can't be all can't can't be all boyish about this, man. I'll be a man with a capital M. And she says, "I could kiss you all night, Arthur." And I was like, "The one." Then she says, "I could kiss you all night, Arthur." And I was like, "Then why don't you?" And we just keep making up. Um, and it uh, honestly, if I'm if viscerally, I knew that that was a real deal right then and there. And I, I, I did my due diligence. We went on a bunch of dates, but I knew that that was that was the woman for me, really. And you see, so all of that makes me extremely happy. Thank you. And uh, look what uh, look what KJSA Works just did to your podcast. Like this shit is important. The, the, I'm serious. No, that like. We're recording right now. This this is good. This is very important because a a man who is as violent as you in the actions that you do, whether it be drama or whether it be fighting or however you go about your daily life, to have that side of you that is just cognizant, like, hey, I need a strong woman that's able to receive me, that's able to understand me, that's able to, you know, further my goals with me as a partner. That is so fucking important. And I I can't stress it enough. Like, and it's, unfortunately, the, the society that we live in has become this thing where it's, oh, no, that's a sign of weakness. Fuck you. Fuck you, dude. Like, there, there's no... You're, I, I will die on that hill, like that. That is the great, the the great reconciliation, as Will calls it. Like it's real. That is very real. Like a man and a strong woman who is able to lead them together as a unit to get through whatever may come is so vitally important. 
and to hear like raw stories like that i'm all about that 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 that's the whole reason i went down this path like i know you're interviewing me i wanted to hear about you i, I just wanted to hear about it like <laughs> so important to me and and i get so excited about that of a man who is so solid and so stable in his own life and happens to run across you know whether it be through you know spiritualness or guidance or just happenstance happens to find a woman that is aligned with his ideals or that they can make it work together with those ideals there there is nothing stronger you can't break that up and i, I speak from that from you know a stance like me and my wife are exactly like that we can do anything together all the time and that furthers me as a man exponentially there i can't even equate it like if i if i didn't have my wife to be my to to be that bedrock to take care of my daughter and to take care of the house when i'm not here there there's no way i would be in the position i am right now there's <clears throat> there's that it wouldn't happen my life wouldn't be this i need that just like she needs me and so that that dynamic is amazing and i just wanted to hear it from you i mean i appreciate you asking that from the get-go and i you know i appreciate your understanding of this concept i'm like you know i'm not i mean i'm I'm, I'm giving loads and loads of recommendations on ways to live in this podcast, but I'm really not. I'm, I'm really not telling anyone how to live, right? But what I'm noticing is man going after like just young girls, you know, probably probably because maybe their virginity might be like I don't know, right? That really doesn't have their own original thought, and I think. People are understanding that, yeah, man, is a stronger sex. We just are biologically. We have a certain role to fulfill, right? But there's a certain amount of strength that women need to cultivate as well. Or else you just have someone who's completely just can't stand on their own two feet. Like, yeah, we're, men are called providers, protectors. That's, that's, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we need to give up that role. However, I, 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 like, like you said, like I need it. A woman with a certain amount of strength and a certain amount of intensity to be able to receive who it is, who I am as a person, right? I can't put all that in a box. I can't. I fucking lose my mind. I did it for two months with that other chick. I was, I was losing my mind. Um. And yeah, I mean, to. To, to answer your question, why am I still in a bar? Why am I why am I still in a bar? Because my life was figured out on what it is that I'm gonna do when I was single. When I was doing the monk thing. Remember, I met now that this this is the big yeah, alright, I guess there's there's no way around this. I mean maybe I can just o- omit this, people can just Dot the lines themselves. Doesn't matter. Somewhere along the line, fiance and I were through divine intervention brought back together, even though I had to leave England. And that's that's a story I have promised to tell Will 
and Jeremy, and now, and Devin, and now you, over some whiskey in person at Soul Seminar when that happens, right? So it's like, everyone's going to see my face there. I'm not going to walk up with a fucking head stroke mask, right? Um, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. But I had everything figured out, and then my life changed here. I actually, I tried giving things up. I went to New York City for a while. Try giving up fighting, try giving up a bunch of things that make me for the sake of cultivating a new family, right? Um, and for for other reasons involving my extended family. And that was an absolute dumpster fire, and that resulted in a spiritual injury that resulted in a back injury. Uh, this I covered in depth on a podcast, that's why I'm summarizing. And a back injury and the, de- and the death of my mentor by brain cancer. And I had to deal with that lower back injury. And when I came back to the Bay Area, I finally put together two bar jobs in San Francisco with just the right schedule to, now that I finally healed myself, to be able to plan to transition out of bartending into copywriting. So I have like a copywriting business that's standalone, that's my main source of income, as I grow as a professional fighter and get that pro contract. So I'm, I'm still doing the two things that I love, writing and fighting, and I'm going to have like a, a stability and a flexible stability to provide for my fiance and I to get married and start having a bunch of kids while I pursue my fighting career. And so, but the goal, the, the, the logistical avenue to that was three, was uh, two jobs with that, you know, I was, I'm not going to say how much I was making, but I was making enough to save half my income and pay a lot of high costs for training and rent in the Bay Area, food and transportation and all of this. And still have enough time to train and to build that copywriting business. I got myself to that point. And right when I got myself to that point, COVID hit. And I lost both those bar jobs. And I refuse to take unemployment because I just don't believe in it for someone who has my mind and body. So I went to minimum wage and I was also delivering food in San Francisco on my bike. I got hit by a car a couple times. Um, and that was, that was hilarious, actually. Um, and I got a security job, and now I have one of my bar jobs back. And now it's looking like I am just about to be back at that stability point. But now I'm at a point where I really have nothing to, I want nothing to do with bars. So when I'm, the, the businesses I'm actually trying to scale sooner rather than later. And I have another immediate career pursuit that I'll let you know about off the air, um, temporarily. A new temporary career pursuit off the air that will be able to provide massive stability for me to get all the content off of the ground, Blood and Rain books, the training business with Primal Thrive, um, having my novel written and completed by the end of this year while training to be a professional fighter. That is why I'm still in a bar. A lot of setbacks, some setbacks were, a a lot of changes and shifts in life. Some setbacks big, some setbacks small. Some setbacks reacted too well, some setbacks reacted too with inexperience. But, the planning I, like the planning I have now is stable. It's flexible, it's decentralized, and it covers all the bases of what I'm going to do. Plain and simple. So, so I want to know. 
what uh, what what does that stability translate to to a, a man who's gonna listen to this who doesn't have that because I can I can give my aspect on that and I'm sure you can give yours but what what does it translate to to be able uh, as a daily life activity hey I found my stability here is what I'm going to do with it but more purposefully here's how like what what actions are we gonna take as men what what are we gonna hit me what what is that to you so what you're saying is what actions am I gonna take to make the most of that stability is what is that what you're asking yeah yeah well to make the most of it to sustain it to whatever it may be like there there's an energy there that uh well i i would say the majority of this country is lacking right we talked about this earlier that that energy to have to have a solid foundation whether you got there by you know luck hard work divinity whatever it is once you found that solid foundation of you or your career or your family life those are all very i mean they're subtle different things but the way you the way you address them can be vast so i think it i think it's important for people to understand that once you know and you, and you actively can think like hey i've got this i feel it i i I have it in my soul. I, I feel it every day. I'm living it. Once you have that bedrock, what would you think or feel is the best direction and attitude to have towards those things? Like I want to, I want to hear it from the man. I want, I want to, I want people to hear it from other people. Like how, how are you going to attack it? What is your game plan for it? Because we all have different ideas about it, and. You know, we're in this space where we get to have this whole menagerie of ideas and thoughts and beliefs and, you know, how are we going to build it up? How are we going to build each other up? How are we going to raise this system? How are we going to raise these ideals? So that, I mean, it's a, obviously a wide spanning topic, but I want to know what you think is the best way to address, hey, if you don't have this, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm thinking. Okay, so when I started doing minimum, for listeners, I mentioned this before, but to reiterate, living in the Bay Area is maybe a little less expensive than New York City and more expensive than Paris, London, take, take your pick of any other city in the United States, it's, it's insane, even more than LA, it's, it's unreal. In Bay Area, meaning San Francisco, Oakland, that's where I'm at, right? Um, with commuting, with my high, high costs that I had that I tried to keep, right? Because I thought, maybe I'll ride this out. It was like, maybe it'll just be a couple months, so I'll just float it, you know, I'll, I'll eat russet potatoes, I'll eat, you know, garbage chicken breasts in Walmart, and I'll get by, right? So, that's what I'll do. And I'll get to the other side. And then it kept, obviously we know out here at least it kept getting longer and longer and longer after uh, thanks to Uncle Gavin's reign of terror. All right. 
So it came to a point where it's like, all right, I came to this security job, and the commute over there was pretty long. And so that meant, all right, I'm, I'm up really fucking early. I'm up at the time that I used to get off work, so that my sleeping patterns make no sense right now, okay? So it's like, at this point, I'm winding down to go to sleep because I just finished the bar shift. I closed down the bar. The bar closed at 2. I closed down the bar until about 3.15, right? I get to work at 6.30 in the morning. And with this commute, if I'm going to have some training I'd and some food and everything in routine, I'd be up at 3. made no sense. So I asked for the night shift. I asked for the night shift because no one was watching them, and I could write and do a bunch of work while I'm watching cameras. And basically, the long story short, and that, that 40 hours a week still wasn't enough to cover my costs. Effectively, it really wasn't. So I had to also engage in taking a bar job once that reopened. And there were, there were nights per week where I'm, I'm up for 30 hours just because of the nature of the schedule. It's not healthy. It's not healthy at all, but it is what it is, right? So in order to do the things that I need to do to get where I want to go once, once the storm passes, I need to be incredibly surgical. I need to have a game plan that's precise, that's flexible, with a tenacity that is steadfast, with a faith that is... I'm not going to say unwavering because it, everyone, every man's faith wavers at some point. But more close, closer to unwavering than, than um, you know, than not, right? And basically, I figured out that I needed to be in alignment. I needed to be training physically, mentally. I needed to be in line mentally, physically, chemically, spiritually, and then ultimately narratively. And narratively to be on the hero's journey to understand where it is I'm at. Because man thinks they're separate from story. And they're not. Man looks at story in adoration and sees himself in story. And then there's this weird disconnect with modernity that where they're basically saying, yeah, but that's not me. I need to buck up and just, you know, pay my bills and be steady and whatnot. No, we are. That's part of that's one of the many reasons, not just food, not just lack of training, not just environment, not just politics, not just culture, not all of these and, and, and not just any of these things. It's the fact that we're separated from narrative that's a big fucking part of the problem. And when I'm in alignment physically, mentally, spiritually, chemically, and therefore narratively, I understand that hero strength. So I understood that part. And I had a grand strategy of game planning, protocols of discipline that are unwavering. To be able to continue to progress, writing, podcasting, training, anything having to do with blood and rain, spiritual practice, reading, I had to be have a I had to be surgical. I had to be in alignment, and I had a huge I had a huge flexible grand strategy to be able to cultivate that time effectively, that little time that I had, and I needed to have this override that was ultimately anti-fragile. We're basically saying if something goes wrong, well, something goes wrong. And that, that dips in your grand strategy. Well, are you just going to let this destroy you? No, okay, take the things that you can grow from it, press against it. And when that thing that went wrong concludes, you'll gain something from it, then you just have a, complete, have a complete total net loss. So now that this stability is there and the time is freeing up, I have conducted myself 
and the way I go about my life in a way that will now pay dividends with this stability and will pay dividends with this increase in time. So I have this work ethic from basically being a guy who is in this rat race, who's sleep deprived all the time for a night shift, who's commuting, all of this, to be able to just get a chance to do the stuff that I want to do, and stuff that I need to do. And now that I have the time to do it, I'm going to approach it with that same intensity. This is not the time to take the foot off the gas. If you think, oh, now I got some stability, this means I can relax, means I can, you know, watch some Netflix, you know, I can take ease off the schedule. No. What the fuck are you what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? You need to apply the <laughs> bring that same energy. You need to apply that same way to when you get the abundance. You don't slap abundance in the face when you finally get to where you want to go and take your foot off the gas. So to recap. I won't take my foot off the gas by maintaining the following. Steadfast protocols of discipline. I have 10 protocols per day. A wake-up protocol, a nighttime protocol, a protocol for when I train, a protocol for when I train strength and conditioning, a protocol for watching fights and analyzing fights, a protocol for writing, a protocol for reading, a protocol for, uh, I call it drowning roots, meaning I'm deepening my roots, so reading orthodox prayers and reading the book of five rings and reading the requested scroll of blood and rain that I wrote that people ask me to write, what is a path of blood and rain? Well, that's my path, the path of blood and rain. I made a whole podcast about it. I wrote about it. So reiterating that path as well. I'm reiterating, finally, drowning roots to where it is I'm trying to go. I'm trying to be one of the greatest fighters of all time. I'm trying to be one of the greatest writers of all time. I am now being a much better son than I've ever been. I'm trying to be a good son, be a good brother to my brothers who are not of my blood, but I might as well be. And to eventually be a good husband, a good father, preparing myself for that. Shout out to Jonathan West, man behind the Being Husband podcast, for, for writing about, it, presenting about, and speaking upon the discipline of being a husband. It's super important. Super fucking important. Me, Jonathan. Love that. Love that. That's, that's a good man. That, like, sidebar, that, that man, like, him and I talk as much as we possibly can because him and I are in the same in the same sort of realm he, like he, he's got his he's got his garden side gig plus you know he's got a pregnant wife right now so I completely understand how busy that man is in his life right now but we talk as much as possible that man he's got it like he he is he, he has got it and he is right there to be able to just explode into right. just just some just massively solar man like he's already there but once it once that kid comes out there he's gone like like he's gone there's there's no coming back for jonathan he's become such such a wild man of amazingness i'm so excited for it man Dude, i'm I, so excited for it. i'm sending him an 80 pound box of kids clothes diapers a bunch of my eggs, all sorts of stuff. Like it, it's already packed up. I'm sending it. Like I'm so yeah. excited for him. Oh. It, it's gonna be so good. That's amazing. That's amazing. He, dude, that yeah. guy. It, it, his his podcast. He, is he's a he's fire, a fire man. Yeah, he, he he he's on it like it, and he has so much things going on in his life, and that's. That that's part of the thing, like the and and this is a very simple, like ideal or 
whatever you want to call it, like the busier the busier you make your schedule, the more shit you're gonna get done. Yeah. Like the more the more you pack your schedule, the more shit you're gonna get done. And people shut down thinking about that. But like he's proofing the pudding. I'm proofing the pudding. You're proofing the pudding. Like it all works out like pack the fuck out of your schedule because then it forces you to figure out a way to get it the fuck done. Like you're gonna get it done one way or the other. And if you don't, hey, you failed hard and you either miss an appointment or you miss an engagement or whatever it is, and you need to figure out how to make it happen next time. Exactly. It's not the end of the world you miss it. Like the fact that you're putting yourself in that situation, you're, you're crafting that environment to strengthen. That's the important part. That's 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 the utmost importance to to, sort of, and to, to recap to again recap your question. Hyperdiscipline protocols, flexible, but still grand strategy, course of action, and alignment at the man. Those three things. When you get to that spill and you get the time to do the things that you meant to do, not just the, not the things that you need to do, like you said, cover the bases, food, shelter, water, heat, right? To get those things down or whatever other things that are stability for whatever course of action you have in life, right? That pseudo stability, right? When you have that down, then you have that time. You do those three things, you're going to make use of it and you're not going to waste it. In my, in my mind. I mean, that, that that's, that's from my experience, you know? And you're 100% right. There's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways you can approach the basic human disciplines, right? Like, like, like my pillar four, and I would hope those don't vary, you know, culturally. Like food, water, shelter, heat. Like that's how you live. <laughs> that's how you stay alive. But once you get into different, into the different realms of disciplines, whether it's very simple gathering wealth, building community, you know, helping your fellow man, those things after your bedrock, they'll, they'll come so, so naturally when you're building yourself. And, and, and when you're constantly like, hey, I have these disciplines, this is what I'm about, it, it's very simple. You, you don't have to train super hard really on anything other than your basic human. And it's a paradox because you can say, oh, I don't need to train really hard, food, water, shelter, heat. And then you say, oh, wait, I do need to train really hard on this, but it's because you've already got your bedrock in place. Exactly. Like, and exactly. People, people, need, people need that compass of their selves. And, and this is a whole, like, quantum level thing to think about. But, like, if you, if you have that solid sovereignty and that individuality of yourself, it's very very simple to continue that on in your life and the relationships that you build and the community that you build and the mentality that you build doesn't have to be a battle it's about you constantly winning because you know what it's like to fail at the basic things like hey 
uh, I fail at this. Oh, okay. I'll do this next. It, it's so simple, and I wish that I was a smarter man to be able to give this in like a huge TED talk and let people know all these fancy words and everything else. Like, no, just fuck up a bunch of times and you'll eventually figure it out. That, <laughs> that's the simplest way I can put it. I mean, you're not, you're not wrong. How, how, how is it remotely wrong? By, by, by any means, like, I mean, to, to, to be honest, like, you know, a lot of TED Talks come off really cringe, honestly. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. A lot of TED Talks that come off, like, come off their earpiece and they're like, and they'll be like, hey, everyone, how are we today? Good? Good, yeah. It's like this really weird smile. Like, a lot of them have the same delivery. Like this really weird smile on their face. And they'll say either one of the three things. Like, how many of you, or what if we, or has anyone ever thought, like, it's one of those three things? He's like, but maybe if we just thought of it in a different way, our lives completely change. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's getting formulaic. If they had, a, if they had like, a TED Talk raw, you'd be on the top of the list. I mean, you're actually getting up there and just speaking, not preparing a presentation that comes off choppy and staggering. Ultimately, something's wrong, honestly. TED Talks used to be a really cool resource. Now it's, 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 it's getting weird, you know. Then it, it's because they're not, it, it's not. Well, this is this will get into the weeds of my response, but it's it's not talking to people anymore. It's trying to talk to society. I'm and I'm I'm trying to make that as like vanilla-ish as I can. It's you you're not trying to engage with individual people anymore when you get into these big narrative speaking events and things like that. Is is the the, the thing I'm speaking about it's you're you're trying to push whatever narrative you're saying to the highest reach possible that you can right to gain the clicks to gain the monetary value to gain the advertisement like in the reshares and everything else you're not trying to engage with the people who are trying to actively listen to you and that's why I appreciate men like you and Will and Jonathan West and Devin and you know all these men we engage ourselves with because when you get into this space in your own tribe, right? I'm I'm speaking to the audience and the you know generality. Keep your circle small and keep your circle small. There there's two folds to that. Keep your circle small like literally and keep them small intellectually. Like, you need to, like, cut that dead weight. Like, and it sucks. And it sucks to get rid of your your friends that you thought you had and the family that you thought was going to have your back. And, you know, that, that snowball just keeps continuing. But when you engage with people that are like-minded and are on the same wavelength and the vibe and everything else, 
that will build you up and you'll actually gain that knowledge you'll soak it in you'll sponge it up and so will they but you know in your daily life you know you let's say a TED talk is at a coffee shop right that's what it is you go to a coffee shop and you just hear someone saying their spoken poetry and they're snapping their fingers instead of clapping like that that's what that is they're just they're just they're just trying to engage in the broadest aspect possible but there's no actual meat to that steak there, there's nothing to it and it doesn't engage with anybody but it's just this broad ass nothing to it holds no weight and i i can't stand people like that and i and i feel i feel bad that that is everything that you are surrounded by other than being at the gym like it, like if you try and go to taco bell you're gonna run into those people they're gonna try and shove a burrito through their mask and it's just hilarious and then they're gonna kiss their girlfriend through your mask like, oh virtue signal kiss me daddy But I want to turn it back to you. You came to a point. First of all, I'm going to preface a couple things. Yeah, it's probably the best idea to, it's probably the best idea, guys, to, you know, like like KJ said, after six or eight months, you're going to know, like, whether or not someone's, you know, like someone you're going to marry. Sometimes you're going to know after three weeks, like KJ, I... I knew really after one night, honestly, and that was a night not in which that I slept with my fiance. It's just I spoke with my fiance, so I wasn't thinking with, with the wrong head there, guys. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, but I also still did my due diligence. I didn't propose to her right then and there. But if sometimes if you just if you know, you know, like I I I, I believe that. But again, like do your due diligence. Don't propose right then and there. But trust your intuition on these things. But you went from, so you got to Boise, right? You got to Boise after transferring that town to your Portland because your mother had cancer. And that shifted your life back to Idaho. You were a wild man for a while, and you're still a wild man even though you're married, you're homesteaded with kids, right? But it's a different kind of thing. A single wild man. And. What was that? How did how did Boise develop? How did Idaho develop? How did you get to that point of homesteading? So I know what happened with. I know what happened with your job with the corporate world. They basically just said, "Oh, due to restructuring, you know, you're going to make thirty-seven thousand dollars a year less," which is an absurdity to change, and that ultimately became a blessing in disguise for you. But can 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 you zero in on two two things for me where? What was the long-term, more gradual trans- transition for you into being this householder, both in the regard of being a husband guy and of being a classic homesteader man? Like, what was that transformation like? Like, what was the pain of that like? What are sort of the fruits of that, that sort of transformation that cle- very clearly radiates through you right now? So, <clears throat> the... I would the, the first thing that this is a very very wide answer for me um, the, the first thing and the most important thing 
is that when when I lost that amount of money, it it made me understand very clearly that money wasn't shit at all. And the, the, and this is just the first the first part of it. It's like I understand that in in the solar sphere that we're in and that you know the men involved in like hey you know you need to generate wealth and you need to have this constant thing like I get I'm very aware of it but I I have a duality to that I'm very into crypto I make decent money that's aside from that when I lost that amount of money it made me realize the value that I actually had in my life and that was a humongous like I I I broke down for weeks like I was absolutely broken and it and it and it it fucked me up like bad through I was like oh shit like I, I was relying on all of this to be able to sustain the life we had and I thought like oh we were we were just living this life that we had because this is what it was and then you get that rug pulled out from under you and I know $37,000 isn't like a huge number to you know people who are millionaires whatever else that's a lot of money to just normalize people yeah. and when you get that rug pulled out from under you that reevaluation of what is actually important in your life is it is it is just a smack right in the jaw like right in the low line too and like you, you like you know what that feels like like it, it's right there it hurts so it it made me realize like hey i have i have a solid wire and we didn't have a child at that point yet luckily that would that would have been just and i feel for those people that have that situation that have a child in the mix like luckily we didn't have a child in the mix at the time um it, it made me just drastically realign my thinking and like my my every day it was like hey instead of waking up and i'm gonna go i'm gonna go you know get breakfast on the way to work and you know, I'm gonna get lunch and we're gonna do all these fancy dinners because we, we used to go out a lot and we used to go to go to the bar a lot and get dinner a lot and do all this stuff and I was like wait A now we can't afford that anymore and B all that shit was garbage. It, it, there was there was no value to any of that. It didn't it didn't help our relationship. It didn't help our family it didn't help our pocketbook by any sense and so we just for i don't know a year and a half two years straight we just just cut it off entirely until we could find that recorrect and you know get ourselves going and then i think at that point it really made us realize like hey we're never going to be in a position of Oh, this is a perfect time to have a child because now we're, you know, we're fiscally sound and everything's perfect. And no, no, there is no such thing as having. Yeah, there, there is no such thing as a perfect time. Yeah. Like, we decided to have a child when I lost damn near forty thousand dollars a year. 
that's when we would have to decide to have a child. So completely backwards of what the textbook will tell you. Some people, some people call it backwards. Some people call it like the strike back, right? It's like life did this. Like okay, now we have a kid. Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I have never been leveled up in energy forward or stronger or vigilant ever since my wife got pregnant. Like I've, since that time, <clears throat> I've just constantly been leveling up. I've been meeting men like you, engaging, networking, making business opportunities, making travel opportunities, you know, finding places we can stay in if we decide to travel the country. Like, it, all these things just keep coming to me. <clears throat> and since this has never happened in my life, I don't even know how to take it. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how to adapt to it, understand. I'm trying to figure that out. But, yeah, it's just ha having... Having that happen and losing that amount of money, it skyrocketed everything. <clears throat> Excuse me, because it it made me drastically and immediately understand what is actually important in life. And I never thought about that before. And my wife never thought about that before because we were just in this rut which we didn't even, you know, cognizantly realize. It was just, this is what we were doing, and this is this is life, and we're going to have subscription services, and we're going to have expensive dinners, and you know, all this shit, where we could have been preparing to have a child, but we figured it out, and we're even stronger because of it. And that is a classic example of failure. You're welcome. Did you say words? You know, I think that story is really important here for anyone who's listening to that. Got cut up by the, the pandemic pretty bad. I mean, myself included, you know what I mean? Like, hearing these stories of blessings in disguise, I mean, I'm coming around full circle now in a much better situation than when I was when I started, right? I lost time when it comes to fighting career. Me being like, no matter which way I decide to be going pro is to lay by your now. But that's, that's a wash, fine. But, I'm getting out of bartending much faster because at the end of the day, you can speak about community. You can speak about consoling customers. You can speak about discipline. A lot of these things that you can learn from bartending. At the end of the day, it's... I drink on occasion, you drink on occasion, but it's... I'm an up salesman for poison. It's really fucking flashy and really, really crafty with it. Cool. Is that Logos? Is that highest good for myself? No. So, 
Um, I'm reaching a point of stability. I never would. I never. I never started a podcast if COVID didn't hit. I never would have started. Um, I would say I wouldn't have started Blood and Rampage. It would be like the first iteration back in 2018. It was really just a training log, like a more of a, a more poetic training log. But I never would have gotten this kind of content creation. You know, meeting all of you guys. You know, meeting. You know. Like like you said, just business opportunities, travel opportunities, making true new friends. It's like, yeah, it's overwhelming sometimes, but in a great way. It's like, I don't know what to do with all this. I need to organize myself accordingly so I can be there and be present for all of it. Because it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I'm coming full circle now that, like, I'm at a point where I really am better off. Oh, uh, I'm in the middle of that 30-hour day right now, by the way. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, after this, I think i got about two more weeks of security shifts before I'm, you know, in a different kind of stability. Uh, I'll be up for another 14 hours, um, which is just absurd. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm at a point where I think I'm better off than when I started. But if those are much more long-winded cycle of which, like, uh, this is kind of a corny thing I've seen in, like, the more liberal, like, motivation. Like, remember, when you're growing something, the fruits come last. And I'm finally feeling those fruits, and it's, it's nice. I'm not going to be dwelling too much on the fruits, but stories like yours, like, that's, like, that's, that's, that's the horrors that you hear about for married couples with COVID, right? They lost their jobs. Like, I need to provide for my wife, right? If they can hear your story and hear you truthfully speak about that as a net positive, as a blessing in disguise, if they can understand that story, they consume it and lie to it and understand it. Live it. They're going to be anti-fragile and far better off. They'll be far more in alignment. They'll be further along. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there, there's obviously two sides to every coin. You have to, you have to see what is happening to you. And you're, you're going to see it as a negative more often than not. Yeah. Right. That's going to be, that's going to be the human's first instinct. Like, Hey, I lost money or I lost my job or I lost my house or I lost my car or whatever. Right. Pick, pick a bitch. You'll bitch about it. If that is, if that is the lane that you choose to stay in, you're always going to be bitching about it. Yeah. But if you see those things as, Hey, this may suck. There's something in here for me to learn. Whether I fucked up or whether someone fucked me, I, I need to learn how to navigate that better next time. Could I have done better? Could someone done better onto me? Okay. If they didn't deliver on to me, why? Was it because of something that I did? Like w- when you realize like everything is your fault, and you just, you need to just take that in, and I, I 
I've always thought that, but I learned that from Rain Man from uh, 263. Like, to actually put it into words, he was the first one to put it into words for me, and I was like, shit, that, that's how I've been living, like, that makes sense. If everything is your fault, then you can always grow from that. Wh whether it is or it isn't, but if you internalize that, like, hey, that's my fault, I'm going to do this. You are on a constant path of growth, no matter if somebody takes money from you, or your house, or your car, or whatever bullshit thing you think you need. Like it, it's so vitally important to internalize anything that happens to you and try to, as best as you can, find an opportunity of growth out of that. And that is, the society is clearly lacking that. And, and, furthermore, be grateful for the shit that you have. That also is a stark reminder of today where we are. Like if, if you have a, the basic things like if you're living in a single wide that's busted down on the river which i have done multiple times in my life in different states so whatever technical difficulty just happened here we are here we are okay just has words and most important being build your tribe build your community from yourself your energy has everything to do with that the way you speak the way you stand the way you walk the way you carry yourself everyone can see that well first off take off the fucking mask don't be a bitch and like th that just cascades but be about what you are doing. Be steadfast in that. Even if you are actively fucking failing in what you are doing, be about it. Because at least you're fucking full sending it and you're going to learn something from it. Exactly. Are you going to get hit in the mouth? Probably. Probably. Is it going to fucking hurt? Yeah. Absolutely. Getting hit in the head fucking sucks. Get up. Figure out what to do after that. You have to be about yourself. And e like, even for the men who aren't married, even for the men who don't have families, like, everyone is going to feel that. Everyone is going to see that about you. Like, hey, whoa, this man has something going on. This, this, he has something about him. He has an energy about him. He has a feeling about him. He has lived. He has experienced. And even if you plan on being single forever, which you're fucking dumb if you do, that woman is going to see you and she is going to recognize that. Your kids are going to recognize that. You know, your church, your community, your school, your leadership role, whatever it is, they are going to feel that. And that's, 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 that's it. That's, that's my KJSA words. It's very simple. That, that attraction, that, that, that amplification of energy, that tribe coming from yourself, that's not shaking them in the eye. One, you know, one thing that for some reason I haven't asked anybody about, this is a much more literal question. What is 263 Collective? I keep hearing this name. 
<laughs> I think you'd be much better, much better asking them about that. But uh, two six three is the the two six three collective at Instagram um, is a small, very small, very small group of people uh, that kind of found themselves in in the the realm that all of us are in, trying to build a community and engage with people and raise people up as much as possible hmm. and the 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 page itself is just a it's apolitical as possible um, which is very a very very hard line to skate nowadays uh-huh. because, you know as like Jordan B. Peterson said it like you can you can politicize anything but not everything is political yeah, exactly. and so and that that's just the the narrative we find ourselves in so 263 is uh, just about raising up your community about raising up you about you know, well, and especially like the page is uh, a little bit firearms related because that's what we all did anyway. And so that's just kind of how it organically grew. Um, a bunch of uh, really amazing people. Uh, I, I traveled down to Georgia in December of last year with a bunch of people I had never met in my life. I just hopped on a plane. It was like, well, I guess I'll meet you when I see you there. And there ended up being like, I think eight or nine of us total in one house. Just met for the first time. And it was in the first hour, I think hour, hour and a half of me landing. We all got two, six, three tattoos on us. Like that, wow. that's, that is how, that is how hard full sin that that community is. Like it was six dudes that had just met for the first time ever and we met at a tattoo shop like an hour north of Atlanta and got two six three tattoos hey nice to meet you and then we spent like three or four days together <laughs> wow yeah it, it's a real community like it, it's all about it's all about community uh, it's all about raising each other up building each other whatever it is you're doing it's good, man. It's really good, guys. If, if listeners, if you if you're not in a tribe that doesn't have you feeling a fraction of that, at least, I think it's time to go do some seeking. If you're listening to this podcast, that means you probably know the solar sphere. If you don't, my door is always open. Because as I said before, I'm a gracious host. I'm striving to be a gracious host. So I would seek that tribe. And you seek this kind of tribes when you put that, not to get all new agey on it, but kind of like you said, put that energy out there. You'll be surprised if one shows up. We would not be having this conversation right now if that was the case. Plain and simple. And KJ, I 
could do this all damn day. Plain and simple. And uh, for your listeners, this, this conversation was almost in person. I just have my finance pretty set in stone right now, and I wasn't able to get a second leg from uh, Seattle to Boise in that short period of time. But speaking of tribe, for those of you who are looking at the solar sphere as a potential tribe, Soul Seminar is coming to Seattle weekend of July 24th. I will show my face. Just side note. We'll see what I look like. But that's not a reason to go. Um, it's, uh, I think it's going to be pretty fascinating. And I think it's going to be pretty enriching. And I think it's going to be pretty high speed most and pretty enlightening, honestly. I'm not saying this because I'm helping Forrest Mund and spearhead it, but I'm saying this because... That's just the way it's going to go. KJ, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Dude. Thank you for having me, bro. Oh, I'll probably be in Seattle as well, you motherfuckers. All right. Oh, oh I mean, I, I, I sort of spoke spoke up on that. Like, of course KJ's going to be there. He's, he's talking to folks a ton, of, ton of, a ton about it. He's a cascading himself, and he's a hop, skip, and a jump away from Seattle, so... If uh, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak on the set in stone because this is truly Forrest's baby. I'm trying to help out as best I can, but I'm sure there's gonna be some some sizable portions of the mountains, some sizable portions of maybe boys' night out of the town. We'll see what happens. Yeah, a shitload of mastic gum. All right, dude. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> see you, brother. Good night, everyone. And good storms. Thank you.